first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Um, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Alright, I am here with the dev team behind Scoot Hard DX. This is Waffle Iron Studios. Get each of you go around the table and introduce yourself, starting with Metal. Hi, I'm, I'm Metal Neon. I'm basically the uh, per- the composer for the entire uh, group that we have right now. Uh, I did the entire soundtrack for it, and uh, you know that that's that. <laughs> Next, <laughs> um, I'm Sonia Waffles, um, and I am the uh, kind of the brain behind this very weird and all. <laughs> If I admit this, it was a very strange boomer shooter. I also made Daytime Drama, uh, which was a cult hit back in the day. <laughs> well, uh, I am Jenna Pepper. Um, uh, these two lovely people here, they tell me what things to say into this microphone, and I say them, and then they put them in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as I promised, um, I'm I'm not going to beat around the bush here. You guys' game is ridiculous in a lot of in a lot of ways, and I very much enjoyed playing uh, the the whole thing. I, as I said, I think it's a downright awesome experience for a, a, a Doom total conversion. Uh, it has all everything that it, it does. It does its own way, and that's kind of the thing that made it kind of stand out to me. Because originally, the only thing that stood out to me, Metal came into my Discord and he was just like, "Check out this thing I'm working on." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, sir." Uh, but I, I did immediately know like that's going to get so much like good attention because you know people love memes and everything, and I think that's the hook. But the game itself, regardless of the ponies. And the silliness of it, it is actually unique in its own way in, in terms of the gameplay, the way that you actually move in the game is its own thing. The the weapons are all unique. It, it is not a, uh, what you call an asset flip, right? This is tr- truly like a, a tremendous endeavor for you guys into your first kind of, as a team, I should say, foray into making an indie game. And I'm, I'm excited to see what Waffle Iron Studios comes up with in the future when you guys have revenue and, you know, things like that to work with instead of just we're all flying by the seat of our pants, but I would <laughs> like to first start off with scoot hard. So can you tell us about that? We'll start with Sonya. I think that's your place. Well, I'm just going to stress for the record that um, I know that you um, said to, you know, just how bizarre it is. And just the whole, you look at this and you go, no, I'm going to be completely real. That's been everyone's reaction. I just want to get that out of the way. I just want to get that out of the way. So 
back when I was a, a, a wee little person, I've always been big with boomer shooters. Duke Nukem 3D is my favorite shooter of all time. It and I was very much in love with the whole. You got a protagonist that kind of kicks ass and is a smart aleck. I, I thought those two things were really awesome. But I've never been familiar with the build engine. I always grew up with um, the Doom engine more in terms of tinkering. All my uh, teenage years, I tinkered with the Doom engine. I made a few projects here and there in my little weird-ass crossover universe, and none of them really got beyond just my small group of friends I had back in the day. But one day I decided to dabble in... Wolfenstein 3D modding, and I'm like, okay, I need something that is going to stand out in a sea of everyone just shooting up, well, Hitler. Not that that's a bad thing, mind you. I enjoy a good mowing down Hitler with a chain gun, but I wanted something to stand out because I saw every single other game that was just rehashing the same Wolf 3D stuff and usually using the same assets and all that. And I was just like... I wanted to do something different, so I, I so I decided to readapt uh, Aurora Dawn's um, Rainbow Factory into a uh, sort of a more action-based thing, and I, it was overly ambitious. There were things in Wolfenstein engine that obviously it's a very limited engine, but one of the things I was able to do was things like touch plates that would move walls, breakable glass. Mm-hmm. Um, projectile-based weapons, and I did a lot of this kind of just using tutorials and all that, but some of it was also on my own. I um, just pretty much just tinkered around with it, but I was starting to get really frustrated at the limitation uh, because, you know, it's a grid-based game. There's not really any real good level design to be had. It's just all mazes. When you wanted to make a really awesome thing like the Pegasus device, which is a centerpiece of the Rainbow Factory mythos, you needed uh, you needed to be able to hook it. And I just looked at that and I'm like, oh God, this is embarrassing. So I decided, uh, and keep in mind, this was back in 2012 when I was doing this. So 2013 rolls around, I start adapting this into um, the GZ Doom engine, but it didn't get very far. And I think part of that was, <laughs> incidentally, I think part of it was... I was reaching the limitations with that too. The scripting wasn't quite there. Uh, you were you were still limited to decorating ACS. If you're not familiar with how that works, it's basically they're very ACS is more for level alteration, and decorate is just meant for simple actor replacement. There was not really any way I could really get into the meat of the logic yet without dabbing into the source code. So it was kind of a pain. And so I langu- it languished. I got a little bit further than the prototype my friend Tom found. But I decided just to abandon the project. And then I decided to work on this little known thing called daytime drama, which was just, I had a self-insert in there who was going around shooting up cultists. Uh, and they were all like cartoon characters and all that. And it was kind of a cult hit. because, And I think it had stood out for the same reason uh, um Scoothard did was back in the day was in a sea of doom asset flips. I'm not saying that's even bad, but a lot of people just stick to the doom graphics and the doom kind of mythos. It was something different. It it stood out and not only that, but it it was bright and colorful. So I decided I was going to do a follow-up, right? I I wanted to do a follow-up to daytime drum. It was enough of a hit that I decided 
I was going to do that. The problem was, well, where do I go from there? there and honestly, I was trying to get limited with the crossover th- nonsense I was dealing with. <laughs> so I, I started just brainstorming. I, I tried several sequel attempts. There were like five sequel attempts, and just none of them sat well with me. In fact, we worked really hard on a follow-up that didn't even... Um, it, it, it was really fun to play at times. It was also frustrating, and the game's uh, story was kind of all over the place, and I just wasn't happy with it. So my friend Tom hands me this prototype of Scooter DX, and I'm like, can I get this running in modern GZ Doom? Then I decided to start scripting away, uh, rewrite the weapon system, do a, you know, so you could, like Rise of the Triad, you could pick up a weapon, but then you have to drop the weapon you have. Uh, started rewriting the gravity because Scootaloo's supposed to glide and all that, and just a bunch of different things. And I started adding more and more than um, Jenna and Ellie, and and I had another musician friend, my friend Rod. Um, we were all kind of just dabbling with this, and it started to get more and more... Um, just building up more and more. And then we were just going to leave it as just like our little rough proof of concept um, with just some voice acting and all that. But then Metal comes along and is like, this could be so much more. And, and his ideas really excelled the, um, I guess the um, matter of um, the game was being, was, was starting to really take shape. And he's like, he had ideas that could make it better new enemies um wanted to change the music direction a little bit um because honestly the music that i'm not trying to throw my uh, other friend under the bus he, he's actually quite a talented musician but my direction combined with his style wasn't really good for scooter dx and it was kind of a it was a bit of a difficult time and i i but the metal started just composing some sounds for, you know, some sounds for some of the boss fights. And I was like, mm-hmm. holy, holy shit, this is pretty damn good. And it, and then only that he was suggesting the, the enforcers were his idea, which are the shield enemies and, and just more and more stuff kept getting added. And then by April, we had this really overall, very polished, really awesome, but highly, what the fuck <laughs> kind of uh, boomer shooter. Uh, but honestly, that's kind of what I like to do. I don't like to stick to the norm. Right. Right. Um, I, uh, I'm just going to say right now, and I'm not in any way saying this as an insult towards myself or to other people, but I've always had a form of autism and I kind of, there's a lot of weirdness that comes with that. And I'm just, that shows in my works and I'm perfectly fine with that because I find it, it, it adds to it. Um, we, uh, and I'm honestly, I'm perfectly um, content with the way um with what came out of it, except I think there could be more. Um, and I'll we'll get back. We'll get into what's more is going to happen next, but yeah, that's where we, that's what happened. There is no universe. I can imagine where you spend as long as you've spent making scoot hard, what it is now without some kind of like autistic spectrum kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
clear, I mean, clearly you have a different way of thinking. And I mean, you just, as we get to know you throughout this conversation, I'm sure uh, we've all gotten a chance to get, get some conversation in with you, but the people listening slowly will reveal just how complex of a person Sonia really is. Like you're clearly a very unique and special individual who thinks <laughs> totally outside of the box. And if the game doesn't spell it all out for you, then boy, boy, golly, is this conversation going to get there? Uh, but I do want to like, just kind of like crank it back a couple of gears here. And I want to talk about introducing metal to the project because if, if I'm wrong here, metal, you, you correct me at any point in time, but I believe that you joined the, in the cube discord quite a while ago. And you probably at some point posted a track in our music channel or just self promotions or something like that. And I remember, I think it was Nave was like, you should really check this guy out. And I was like, uh, okay, cool. And then I, I listened to it and I was like, shit, that's fucking good. And I, I think I wrote you and I said something like, a, you know, like, hey, you know, if I'm always looking for tracks to be on the podcast or whatever. And maybe you wouldn't mind lending me a couple of tracks. And I think you were like, eh, I don't know if I remember correctly. Like, if, if I'm wrong, you tell me. I could be confusing you with someone else. Yeah, I'm I think pretty sure that's the case. I think at the time, like, the soundtrack just wasn't done yet. And, but like, I mean, mm-hmm. now it's done. So obviously, you know, if you, if you want to use any of that music, go, go right ahead. You have my full <laughs> well, we, permission. <laughs> we'll definitely use it for this episode. But I've, been a fan of your music before I ever knew that you were involved in this project or in game development period. I just thought you were just some cool dude on the internet who liked to post his songs. <laughs> so I don't know if that means anything to you, but like I genuinely enjoy your music and like, that's one of the things that really makes scoot hard kind of special is that it does have a genuinely solid, like professional sounding soundtrack. I think it's as good as anything that you hear in games that people charge money for which is going to be another contentious point in this con- uh, conversation yeah i hope we get some light out of because oh yeah uh, but i'm a huge fan of what you do man and i just think that you're like too humble uh for your own good sometimes <laughs> when it comes to music <laughs> eh, I mean, maybe i am <laughs> i don't know i just like I, I guess my perspective on like music is that like knowledge is infinitely like more valuable than like money at least to me mm-hmm. it is you know because like, you know, money, money is important, obviously, you know, you have to, you know, have enough to stay alive, you know, pay, pay for your rent, that type of shit. But, uh, you know, like knowledge, what you can do with knowledge is just, you know, it's, it's endless, you know? <laughs> um, is this a KRS one song? No, <laughs> no. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying what I feel like saying there, you know, <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> I guess you're probably wondering what even what how how did I even get you know to be a part of this yo you're probably wondering that. Of course, I mean, yeah, I, we're here to learn. Like, it doesn't matter what I want to know. Like, there's a whole bunch of people who are going to hear this and want to know yeah. answer that question. So, so just answer it for me. How did like you know I get involved with all this stuff? So it's actually funny. Um, so basically, what ended up happening? Um, so Sonya mentioned you know their old musician Rod. I actually knew Rod from uh, some other stuff. Uh, I-, I knew him elsewhere. And so, like, we were just hanging out. Rod and I were hanging out. And I was playing this, like, this Doom wad. It was it was honestly kind of terrible. I'm not going to say what it is because it isn't even, isn't even out yet. And I don't want to, you know, shit talk to the, the project. I mean, I, ho- I hope it gets better, obviously, you know. But it, it was just it was just terrible. And so I was playing. We were laughing at that. And then afterwards, they were like, oh, hey, I'm working on this other Doom mod. You want to see it? I'm like, okay, sure. And then they show me Scoot Hard and TX. And I'm just like, my reaction, uh, my reaction pretty much is the same reaction I've seen from every single other fucking person who I've shown Scoot Hard from. And it goes in this exact order. One, you see the title screen. You're like, 
oh god damn it what the fuck is this you know like that's like everyone's initial reaction and then every and then like they actually see the game and i'm looking at the game i'm like i'm suggesting things and i'm like i'm playing it and rod found some of the suggestions i was making really interesting because like at the time all the weapons looked pretty much identical from one another with like very small minute differences and i could not even tell that there were multiple weapons at all and they found like my critique interesting so like hey you might want to talk to dev about this uh, sonya i'm like okay sure i'll talk to them about it now of course i was in that discord for like a couple of months and i hadn't talked to sonya all basically because um i was busy with school at the time and uh i'm still a student to this day um i'm I'm doing a bunch of schoolwork and stuff but uh basically i was just busy with school and um you know time goes by I think I made, like, one track before, like, in that period of time. It's, like, I haven't actually released it yet. I just, I've been meaning to. I just haven't had time to. Um, and uh, eventually, I end up talking with Sonya. Initially, I was just brought on as a playtester. But then, like, as time went on, like, you know, I was like, hey, look, I did this soundtrack for one of our bosses. And, like, Sonya was, like, really impressed with it. And so, eventually, they just brought me on as a composer. Um, and then, I, later on, I did some level design for the thing not not a ton but i did some like the mind level for instance was completely my entire concept like that was me <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh because I'm a, I'm a big fan of mind levels but that's that's just me um but, but yeah no that's kind of how i got involved with the, with that entire project um and like as far as like the direction with like the music goes i wanted there to be like a lot of variety um i'm not gonna lie and admit that half of it was me just kind of fucking around and seeing what i could do but <laughs> but uh you know there was also some other stuff in there. Like I'm a very huge fan of like people like Alexander Brandon and uh, you know, David wise and such. I'm very, a very huge fan of the soundtrack. And I, I, I hope at least some of it kind of shows in some of the tracks. Like I've been, I, th- I think one guy who actually covered it legitimately just thought some of the music was ripped from unreal. So I, I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a huge fan of Alex Brandon too. Um, I've never gotten a chance to properly interview him, but last year at Realms Deep, we had that feature with him and, and yeah. he spoke to Jahar for a bit and everything. And yeah, like huge fan. And I can totally see the influence. It's very, I, I mean, I know you're a big fan of Unreal in general, but that yeah. that particular soundtrack, I don't, I've, I'm not even that big fan of Unreal, the game itself. Like, yeah. you know, it is what it is. It's, it's old. It's kind of outdated, but I mean, mm-hmm. at the time it was ground groundbreaking, mm-hmm. but the music stands the test of time. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. A- Alex has gone on to do so many other things that it's that, unreal is like the last thing <laughs> that even comes up when you mention his name anymore. Yeah. Um, like mostly but, it's like Deus Ex usually. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and I think uh, that, no, yeah, you go go. yeah. And, uh, so that's basically, um, kind of what that, uh, whole process was i mean like during the whole time it was basically me getting like a bunch of new equipment and then trying out the new equipment with certain things like uh if, if you know what you're looking for you can kind of tell which tracks was uh, basically before i got my uh some of my sampling synths and which tracks were after i got them mm-hmm. uh and uh you know i, I did what i you know i used what i could back then before i had my sampling synths. like i used a lot, a lot of fm synthesis um a lot of some like analog some fake analog emulation even have, like an analog synth right here, which is actually, you know, I, I like that thing. But uh, once I got like my, like a plugin for like the Korg M1, uh, basically that like changed my entire compositional process and was the biggest change I've ever had to like actually composing stuff. Cause like after that, I was actually able to do ambient music somewhat well. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my results with ambient music, honestly. Um, I, I love ambient music as a result, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I want to, Again, like I'm going to do this a lot where I kind of throttle back and revisit Go something ahead. that you mentioned before. But 
you said earlier, uh, and you said this, and before UKRS one said this, but knowledge reigns supreme, and mm-hmm. the this is your opportunity to learn, right? Like this, this is yeah. your project. That's like your first foray into game dev as a, as a musician, mm-hmm. and. And as you said, like, you know, there are things that, you know, or before you got certain tools or you learned certain techniques and then you improved throughout the process of doing it. Yeah. So, you know, next time when you tackle the next project, which I'm sure we'll get into later, yeah. you, you will have all of that knowledge already mm-hmm. at your fingertips and you're going to knock it out of the park. And I knew that, I knew that well before you ever took on this project and I know that you're going to do great things in the future. <laughs> Thank <So> you. <laughs> it's it's not that big of a, I don't, I'm not trying to like suck your dick, man. I'm just <laughs> being honest with you. Like I, I genuinely think you're, you have the right attitude. You have the right, um, I don't even going to say talent, just like willingness to learn that is going to carry you far. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you. I don't really know what to say. You know? <laughs> yeah. I want to chime in a little bit and just say that these two people in the room with me, um, my girlfriend, Jenna and, and, one of my best friends as of late, um, metal, and not just because he's working on the project with me. Genuinely, he's helped me through a lot of stuff. Um, I had a really bad depression spell around the time that um, the elections happened. I'm not going to get into that. You can imagine what that entails. And I had a lot of friends just kind of up and leave me, and some of them were in the Doom community, which is rather unfortunate, but um, as their loss, I kind of... I'm trying to move on from that. Um, But it's been kind of hard and um, metal and Jenna have been extremely helpful in that. So not only are they valuable assets in the game dev team, but they're some of my best friends in the world. I really, it means the world to me that they uh, put up with some of this grueling depression and anxiety that I've had to deal with because of um, a lot of the stuff that's happened to me the past few years. We are going to touch back on that very subject, I promise. Okay. But first, we have we've spoken for twenty one minutes, and I don't think Jenna has got an edge in word was. So, Jenna, I do want to like premise this with saying that like um, I've only heard about you at to, up to this point. I don't know you at all. I, this is the <laughs> first time Jenna and I have ever interacted in any way. But first of all, welcome to the podcast, and second of all. If there's one good thing about this game at all, it's actually the voice acting. That shit is pro. So do you have experience in voice acting at all prior to this? I'm curious. Um, well, um, yes, hello. Um, <laughs> I actually do not have any experience with voice acting. The way I got into this was, um, you know, I, I met Sonya uh, quite some time back and she had told me that she was working on games and you know, she was, she had a character, which at the time was voiced by a uh, speech engine. It was Microsoft Zero, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she was looking for someone who could do a voice for that character. And I thought, well, you know, I've had, you know, uh, voice therapy for some medical issues in the past, which has given me a bit of flexibility. Why don't I give it a try? So I did. She liked it. I kept going. And then everything kind of went on from there. And now I'm, I'm, I'm voicing the, the main villain in Scoot Hard. <laughs> okay. And then since it's already been brought up, I, I wanted to like leave it up to the two of you to actually go here, but 
what's it like dating Sonya? Like that sounds challenging. <laughs> Boy, she is an uh, interesting lady. Um, I mean, relationship in general is rather interesting. Um, what with the, um, you know, I. I am blind. Um, I don't know if Sonya said that, but if she did not, I am. Um, and it is, you know, um, we're generally away from each other a lot of the time. Um, dating her, boy, I mean, how do I even describe that? It's, uh, she, <laughs> she is a handful. I can say that much. And I do, I do mean that in a good way. She, she is lovely. Um, we have gone through thick and thin together. Uh, she's been there for me. I've been there for her. Um, so really quite thankful that she is around. I had a couple other questions in regards to the, the VA stuff uh, to get away from bashing Sonya too much. But, <laughs> um, I am curious if I understand this correctly from the research and by research, I mean listening to Sonya babble on and on and on about it, but you were born with eyesight and then like it diminished um, later in your life. Is that accurate? Correct. Okay. I I was actually born legally blind, but I did have a, a. I still had a good deal of eyesight. I used to game quite a lot, but then I had some issues. Uh, my eyes decided they'd had enough, and they rage quit. <laughs> and well, now I'm here, where I can't really see a lot of anything. So. The question that I'm really interested in is, do you, do you think that losing your your sight made your other senses, and in particular sound, more of a focus for you, like something that you pay more attention to? Because even at, regardless of your, your VA work and everything, that which is excellent, but even the way you speak is extremely like articulate. I'm seeing you move around on camera and the, like you're, you like seem to have a sixth sense the way you move around your microphone even a bit to get your water. And, th- and I'm just curious, like, do you feel like that your extra attention to sound makes you more, um, I don't even know what the proper word to describe this is just better in general at, uh, your articulation and your voice acting. Is that a factor? Definitely more attuned to it without sight. Um, you know, as for kind of moving around and stuff, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've done public speaking courses, uh, you know, generally, generally have a good sense of spatial awareness. I can kind of, I probably should move around too much, probably kind of sounding weird on the recording, but, um, uh, generally, generally quite good. So I would say that, yeah, losing sight has and it's definitely brought focus to my other senses. Okay. It's just, you know, it's not every day that I get to talk to someone who's lost their sight uh, on a podcast. Right. But at, at the same time, I guess it's an accessible enough medium. And and that's another thing I wanted to touch on was uh, accessibility because you're, you're working on a video game, which is in, almost entirely a tactile and visual art form. And, I'm curious, like even even just uh, 
something as simple as getting into this voice recording? Like, what are the challenges that you've personally faced in getting the the work done to make this game happen? Oh, oh, oh so, so many. You would not believe. Um, I mean, there's the hardware side and there's the software side to it. All, and there's huge challenges to both. I mean, you know, on, on all the hardware, there is stuff out there. Um, I've got this big old fuck off mixer next to me. Um, but I, I had to look for a fair bit because a lot of the fancy schmancy stuff has got screens on it. I can't use stuff with screens because blind. Um, I mean, hell, even this one's got like a little seven segment display on it, but I, I, I work around it. So hardware is definitely a big challenge for me. Um, software. Oh, software. Um, well, anybody who's done any sort of audio work in Windows will already know the challenges that come with that sort of thing. Um, but that gets compounded by the fact that I use a screen reader. Um, now, the one I use in particular is called NVDA, uh, Non-Visual Desktop Access, and it's it's this you know big old loud chattery thing. I let, let me see if I can actually give you a little preview of what it sounds like. That would be excellent. Let's see here. My USB audio is there. Let's pipe that through. Hopefully, RTX voice won't cut it off. Can you hear that? Yes. Yeah, it sounds like insanity. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, so that is Microsoft Mark cranked up to a very high rate of speed. Um, let me turn that off before it you know, chatters with a notification or something. Um, but essentially, that is how I use a computer. Uh, it talks to me. I listen to what it has to say. I move the cursor around and it lets me do that, them, their computery things. Unfortunately, there are a lot of limitations because I'm not using screen. I can't take in what's going in holistically. Mm -hmm. So I end up working with one element at a time. What you were hearing earlier was, you know, here's this button. No, here's this link. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that goes for every single screen I look at. But more than that, these applications have to be built properly. And spoiler alert, 95% of them are not built properly. Um, so I end up with buttons that are unlabeled, stuff that doesn't work. Uh, and on occasions, several occasions, I will open an application and I just can't do anything in it. Um, is very frustrating, as you can imagine. Um, but there are you know, a few programs that I can use here and there. Um, Metal got me hooked on Reaper, and it turns out there's a whole community around that, and you can get a plugin to make it work with the screen reader. And Audacity is great for basic recording, and you know there, there's there's stuff that works. But fucking hell, this is a pain. <laughs> I'm at least glad that you have a, a proper sense of humor about it. Like you're, <laughs> you're fighting it. Uh, uh yeah. 
Took me a bit to develop, but it's here now. <laughs> well, I love about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sonia, did you immediately, you know, regardless of your actual romantic relationship, did you recognize that Jenna would have a talent or an affinity towards uh, accomplishing the the VA goals that you had for the game, or was it just kind of like? How do I put this? Um, so one of the things I like about Jenna is she's very persistent um, about, and I get that. And, and that could be kind of a good thing or a bad thing, depending on the situation. But in the case of her doing voice acting um, stuff, she is um, exceptional at it. She um, is very good at responding to criticism and, and direction changes. And But one of the things I absolutely love about her is the fact that she's when it comes to my, you know, any of my direction or criticisms, be it um, related to the project or not, she tends to be a lot more able to respond to it than, um, um, I've had, I've had to work with some people in the past who, um, regardless of whatever it was in, whether it was for free or for pay, who are just absolutely unable to follow instructions and able to respond to feedback. And uh, I'm just going to give an example um, without naming names. There was um, quite a few years back, um, actually on the initial Scootart SDL, um, which is the Wolfenstein version, um, someone was interested in doing voice work for free. Of course, they were volunteering. I'm like, okay, I told them specifically what I wanted, and they just started getting really nasty with me. Just out of nowhere, I'm like, okay. For what? I don't know. It, it was weird. I, I wasn't directing them in a bad way. I was just saying, hey, here, here's some samples of what I'm looking for, and I think your voice is good. And they just really started being kind of belligerent and it's like, I guess they didn't want to be told what to do, which is like, well, what's the point of directing then? If you don't want to be told what to do, then <laughs> I mean, as a project just, lead, that's something that's expected. I'm supposed to tell people what is to be done. You know, are you a fan of John Waters at all? Uh, who's that? He's a film director uh, long ago. If you're not familiar with it, it's not really going to resonate what I'm going to say, but he, he was, notorious for being like the king of filth like making just just disgusting movies on purpose for the sake of shock value and everything but like mm. you know he made hairspray and he made uh, a, bu- a bunch of other kind of stuff like that and was kind of a champion of the underground anti-hippie scene in the 60s and 70s but one of his famous quotes was as a director, you know, he, he's like, I hate when actors say like the first thing I do when I open up a script is throw out the script, you know, and I improvise I'm, And he's like, fuck you. I wrote the lines. Read them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny to me. Uh, I don't mind a little improvising here and there. In fact, of all the VAs um, in Scooter DX have improvised. Yeah line somewhat but as long as they get the general point across i don't mind it, it's when they start um and, and no one has done this right it's when they start um getting quote-unquote creative and i'm not against you know doing stuff differently i mean that's my whole motif but 
some, but I've, as I said, I've dealt with some people who are just really belligerent when it comes to any sort of feedback, any sort of like, and eh, that wasn't the best. Maybe let's try it again. Uh, and it's not like I'm even saying it sucked. I'm just saying let's let's try it again. I think we can do better. Um, I'm starting to realize that with myself, I need to ironically stop being so much of a perfectionist and maybe shed that off on people. I guess it's I. I guess that's where I'm trying to meet people halfway. You know, I'm trying to go on one hand, I know I want things a certain way, but maybe we can have some fun with it in the process. And as long as we get there in the end and it conveys the message that people want, you know, that were what I want, that that's all fine. Um, as for, you mentioned um, uh, direct, directors. I wasn't familiar with that guy that you mentioned. What was his name again? John Waters. Yeah, I'll have to look him up. I'm interested in that. Honestly, I'm more of a fan of John McTiernan, uh, the director of Die Hard and Predator, which, (laughs) honestly, Die Hard is my favorite movie of all time, and you can tell the influences um, in it. I I just love the action movie genres, but I specifically like it when you have um, someone who's kind of down on their luck. That's just something I like. Um, Down on their luck, but they have to face against a great thing, so... That kind of, he kind of influenced my direction style. So when I, I like my my uh, VAs and my other people to have fun, but I'm also kind of like a stickler for very specific details because, I mean, that's just how I am. I'm going to add you to the movie nights role and in the keep so that we can get you caught up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because I like all the movies that you've just said, but I think I think I can bring you some some new perspective on what a film can be (laughs) i appreciate that um i i did want to kind of touch back on what you said earlier and i know you you kind of brushed it off and you're like i don't want to talk about that but i'm going to dig a little bit and if you want to push back and just say no that's okay but uh you mentioned you know dealing with depression and as an artist I'm sure that that's even more so an issue because your productivity kind of depends on your mood and your creative energy. Right. And, and I consider making games and art. So if anybody disagrees with that, then go fuck themselves as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, but just to give like a little bit of background, I, I too have major, major issues uh, over time with, with dealing with depression and anxiety. And, and I'm sure everyone here has at some point, we all have our own struggles and everything. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. But I have many times on the podcast kind of brought that subject up and I, and I think it's important to, it's, it's so easy for us to say like, I don't want to talk about that or, you know, like that no one's interested in that to think that, but uh, I mentioned this earlier today to someone else I was talking to. I think it was uh, sugar factory uh, who had joined our discord shout out to sugar factory, but uh, I'm a huge fan of Kurt Vonnegut. It's one of my favorite writers of all time. And he wrote this book called time quake. Uh, towards the end of his life, he was about 84, I think, when that book was published. And he he said that, you know, like I could, you know, I can write a book, I can write 300 pages, I could write 100,000 words, and it doesn't matter what the book in it says. The point of a book or the point of anything, and, and I would say a podcast or a, you know, any artistic outreach of any kind that you create is not to necessarily display the content that's in that you know that's good that's all fine and dandy but it's to say to the people who are into it like hey you're not alone um there are other people out there including myself who have gone through the same things that you're going through and think in very similar ways that you do 
so your ideas and your thoughts and your feelings are not isolated to just you. And it, and it's showing people that they have a community to reach out to. And I'm not saying you're responsible for, you know, if someone writes you and says like, Hey, I'm depressed, fix my problems. It's not necessarily your issue, but mm-hmm. I do think it's important for us to be honest about what we've gone through because if we're not, then maybe someone else out there will think that their, their feelings and what they're going through isn't, you know, worth talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think it is. Yeah. Um, if I, if I can just say that um, my home life was kind of all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. My grandparents were more of a parents to me than my mom and her boyfriend were. Um, my mom and I have had a very dynamic and very unhealthy relationship. Um, in 2017, I finally moved out from her place because I was just done dealing with her uh, gaslighting. She was obviously... Um, instrumental in getting me to where I am today in the sense that she, uh, you know, she did raise me, but in doing so, um, kind of left me with some real, um, hideous, um, depressed signs of depression and anxiety. Um, one of the things, uh, if you don't mind me getting a little, um, bit into what that entailed. Girl, um, this is your show. You yeah. can talk about whatever you want as extensively so, as you want. And if you regret it later, I'll edit it out. I promise. No, no, no. I, I want this to be out there. One of the things that um, my mom would often do is every little thing was a big to-do. Every little thing. It did. I mean, we got into a World War Three over Christmas decorations. That may sound ridiculous, <laughs> but that's literally what she ended up doing. And um, I ended up having to go to my grandparents several times because she – would pretty much just abuse me the entire um, the entire time. I get punishing your child if they make a mistake. You want them to, t- but there's a certain ways you should punish a child. There's certain ways you should raise a child. And she just, in my opinion, was very. Um, it didn't work out for me. My grandparents were a lot better than that. Uh, even then, though, it was um, starting to show just how much she had rubbed off on me. I'm be completely real. That's been kind of the problem we've been having with I'm um, dealing with this project is a lot of my mom's tendencies have rubbed off on me. I'm starting to show that to other people and I don't want that. And I'm going to try to work on that. Uh, I guess it just kind of shows that with depression and anxiety, uh, it stems from, you know, abuse in a lot of cases or just generally some traumatic ep- event, at least in my case. And it didn't help that I am around, I say November of um, last year, um, I lost a bunch of friends in the Dune community. I'm not going to say who or what. This is not call out. I'm not into call out culture, but um, let's just put it this way. Uh, Metal and uh, Jenna here have both had a lot of, uh, we've had many sleepless nights trying to work it out because I was genuinely hurt by the actions of some of these people. And I'm sure in their eyes, they did nothing wrong. And it's like, okay, you know, that's fine. But, you know, I they they lost um they lost a friend in me because of their actions, and they put me pretty much into a deep slump of depression, and I still struggle with it at night. The hardest parts um waking up in the waking up like at early in the morning and just feeling like, well, what's the point of getting up today? And I have plenty of reasons logically to get up. I've got a development team working on there. I've got a cat that loves me. I've got a bunch of different um, things going for me. But it's just I keep slouching into this 
really depressive depressive episode. And the one thing I would like to tell people if they do suffer from depression, they have suffered from ostracization from people that they thought you were really close to. And believe me, a lot of us here at Wallflyer Studios have had to deal with people like that. And I, in fact, one of the, the other VAs, I won't say who it is specifically, but one of them specifically um, has dealt with similar issues that I have. And I want to tell them and everyone else, you're not alone. There's plenty of people out there who go through this stuff. And just because you don't put it on a Twitter profile or a card or whatever it is on your profiles doesn't mean it's any less valid. Some people are, in fact, I don't list anywhere on my Twitter about any of my pronouns, my mental disabilities, all that. Because I don't want that out there. I want people to see me for me and see me more as just a walking pile of depression and another <laughs> statistic, you know? And that kind of is what, um, that's the one thing that I try to tell um, uh, people is just like, you're, you're valid even if other people claim you're not because you don't do it a certain way. You don't convey your depression a certain way. As for how it affects my ability to do things, my depression combined with some medicine imbalances, because it's a bit of therapy, it's a bit of getting the right medicine combination to offset the chemical imbalances. I've been cognitively suffering a bit. I've been having trouble with um, some thought processes, staying calm during moments of stress, um, being able to keep focused on us on certain things we're being able to multitask all of that's been severely compromised because of the depression the anxiety and not being able to get the medicines just right it's a pain but i i'm patient with jenna she's patient with me metal tries to talk some sense into me we're all here for each other and that's something i think that sets us apart because i know in a corporate environment a lot of people would just go, oh, you're having a bad day. We can get the fuck out. You know, I'm not a big fan of that. You know, I'm very much of the opinion that I try to do things differently here. I don't like to let people go just because they had a bad day because I have a lot of bad days. I know what it's like, but I mean, granted that can only go so far, but I try to be a lot more understanding because I've been there. I've done that. And I don't want us to be another soulless corporation someday. I want us to be, you know, more of a tight-knit family. The family I don't have anymore, I have actually now. That's something I like to see with um, the way we do things. So it does hurt a bit, my my efforts and my um, abilities. And it sucks. It really it really goddamn sucks. I, I can't stress um, enough um, just the anguish that I go through when I have one of these things. It's like, damn it, not again. I've slipped into this again. And it sucks. I think the worst part about it is um, not to get on my soapbox here, but I see so many bad takes on Twitter, believe me, about mental health issues. Just like, wow, y'all dense motherfuckers. <laughs> So I, try, I only use Twitter mainly for networking with other people and posting stuff related to my project. I sometimes dabble into that side of things, but not a lot because it's just mentally draining. And that's another thing I'd advise. If you're mentally not well, just don't go on social media. Just don't. Uh, or if you have to, don't bother delving into the discourse. It isn't worth it. It's just 
unhealthy to do so. And I would like to shout out to um, the people in Lawful Iron Studios and the um, and my private server. They may listen to this. I want them to basically know that I do think about you a lot, and I want to thank you all for putting up with my bullshit because I know there's been a lot of it. Anyway. <laughs> well, speaking of like, you know, sharpening the knife of your own character and everything, you know, like don't expose yourself to things that would, you know, make it worse. Uh, Metal, you know this. One of my favorite things to do, uh, like I do it at least once a month, is uh, sit down and have a few too many drinks and read my YouTube comments. And I love doing it every time. <laughs> it's uh, like it, you have to get to the point where you don't give a fuck. Like, don't do this when you're yeah. like stone cold fucking sober and you're just going to take it all in. But like when you can, when you are in, in a state of mind where you can really just kind of like see it for the bullshit that it is, I think it's a healthy habit oh, because yeah. it, it allows me to just say like, no, nah, that's some dumb fucking shit. Who gives a crap? And and at the end of the day, a dislike is just more attention to my YouTube channel or to the podcast in general. So mm-hmm. fuck them. Yeah. And and surprisingly, very little like direct negative stuff about me. It's usually about guests that I have on. Like I I think like about fifty percent of the negative comments that I've ever of all time gotten on uh, anything that in the keep is published is like Cliffy B and Sergeant Mark Four two. <laughs> extremely talented and terribly misunderstood people. Yeah. But man, do people love to hate on them and, and to their, to their credit, like I know it's affected each of them and, you know, and you and I, and and probably Mm -hmm. everyone here to some extent, seeing the negative things that people say about them, but taking that energy and knowing that it it can't hurt you, Mm -hmm. you know, this really can't do anything to me and accepting that and putting that energy into something creative and beautiful, like what you've done with your game. I think that's the way to go. Yeah. And, I would agree that there's a healthy balance that one should, should um, abstain to them. Yeah. Um, if we're, if we're continuing on with the negative comments and, and like t- that type of stuff, um, I think it's kind of interesting you bring that up. Cause uh, I actually, I guess I technically used to, I, I've been working on something for a while and uh, I, I don't know when it's going to come out just because I'm busy helping with development for, you know, Swaffliar and stuff. But, like, I've been working on... I used to do, like, a bunch of YouTube reviews and stuff for, like, uh, various boomer shooters and such. Um, in fact, actually, one of my more popular videos is actually a guide on uh, making the audio and blood fresh apply way less muffled than it currently was at launch. Oh. That's, like, one of my most popular videos because, like, that that thing was... Yeah. Uh, like, and because, like, I was just, like... F- like, literally how I found that out was I was just fucking around with, like, getting a certain thing working in postal of all fucking games. And uh, I discovered the setting in like an open ale config file made it sound really uh, crunchy and stuff. And I'm like, wait a fucking minute. Hold on. Blood Fresh Supply uses open ale as well. And so I copied the file into Blood Fresh Supply. And I literally screamed yes when I heard it actually sound crunchy, you know? <laughs> and then I made the guide and like, it's got like what, like 4,000 fucking views right now. And I think like Night Dive actually pinned it in their server or some shit. Like that was like my first actual like takeoff hit on my channel before like you know that wasn't like a shitty youtube poop i made when i was in high school or something because I, <laughs> I i did like one of those i <laughs> it's my goal for videos that a video has done well when it surpasses that youtube poop but uh <laughs> um mm-hmm. yeah but uh i've been involved with doing videos for a while i have like three reviews right now technically two but i also have a third one and i i had a couple of reviews in the making during like 2020 but uh 
One of them I canceled. Um, I actually canceled it after uh, the whole like debacle with uh, one of G-Man Lives videos, where like it was like the Doom one where he was talking about the various versions of Doom. And I think like he t- he eventually ended up just taking it down because like people were like giving him shit or whatever over like specific inaccuracies or some shit. Yeah, and like I just just like and, and like it was a combination of that and also like it's just like like because like the thing I was gonna do I was gonna do a video on uh, the Doom sixty four source port that uh, Night Dive did. Because I already did Doom 64 earlier, like a, vi- a video on that, which has a bit of a story in and of itself. But uh, yeah, I was doing that. And so I was like working on this review. And at that point, I was just like, I'm not having a lot of fun making this. Because like at the end of the day, I'm just like listing a list of differences between, you know, the source port and that. And I'm like, well, why am I doing this? You know, like I just had to take a step back and like, I'm not, I'm not having fun with this. And I'm probably going to end up getting something inaccurate, getting flack, like getting shit for it. And it's just like at that point for me, it's just not worth it. And I wasn't having fun with it either. So I ended up actually dropping that, and uh, I, I, for a while then I was working on a uh, review for uh, like one of the Halo games. I think it was it was three ODST. I and I, I haven't released that one yet, mostly because by the time I was going to get working on it, I actually got involved with Scoot Hard, and so I just I just haven't had time to work on it. I have all the footage and everything. I need to like finish the script and stuff, but I fully intend on finishing it someday. Um, don't don't hold me to that, but you know, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, no, uh, referring to comments back back to comments and stuff, I always would get, like, I used to get shit in certain, some of my videos and stuff. Like, um, for my Doom 64 video, like, so many people gave me fucking shit for not playing the original N64 version. Like, I got, I got so much shit for that. Because, like, in the video, I go over some of the options to play at the time, which, you know, now, of course, we have, you know, the fucking source port and way, way, way more options. But, like, back then, it was either, like, you played the N64 version you played Doom 64 EX or it was like retrib- or Retribution. And I went with Retribution because uh, Doom 64 EX at the time, like and I think still to this day, it just it just doesn't fucking work on Windows 10. Because one of the updates made like the mouse input just completely fucking broken. And uh, yeah, yeah, I ended up getting shit from people who didn't like that I wasn't playing on the N64, despite the fact I've been on the N64 before. So I, I know what it's like, but... Uh, yeah, uh, like, I got shit for some of the weirdest stuff, too. Like, I think in there I make, like, a passing comment on how the 32X version of Doom sucks, and I got, like, flack for that. <laughs> like, like, look, seriously, like, that's, it's missing, like, the third episode of Doom. Like, are you serious? And the music sounds what, like farts. Yeah. You want, you want to know what the worst, like, comment I've ever gotten anywhere ever is? Hmm. So, um... For those of you who are aware, like last year with the the Realms Deep convention, yeah. I I went to Running with Scissors and did that sketch with uh, Mike J from you know from Running with Scissors and everything. Yeah, uh, about postal brain damage. And Jenna, you don't know this, but my hair I have like an undercut, right? And yeah, I have dark hair and I have pretty prominent eyebrows, and I'm Caucasian. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I didn't quite think about this ahead of time, but. It, the end the keep logo is a big red fucking octopus. And I can see where someone might make the hail Hydra. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> they might tie the two together. Never intended. None of this was in any way envisioned before. It was totally like a, a quake related Cthulhu thing that mm-hmm. inspired that logo, but I get it. I get why they made that conclusion. And the comment that we kept getting in the Twitch chat as we aired that video for the first time was, uh, Who's this fucking Hitler youth motherfucker? <laughs> because and 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 it, and it gets worse because Mike is Jewish 
and I'm hitting him with a shovel in the video and there's blood everywhere. <laughs> and, I, and I have two blonde, beautiful women, one of which is my my wife, standing behind me as this happens. No. <laughs> it just couldn't have been fucking worse. I think in hindsight it's hilarious, but I totally get how people could read oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, th- I think I've also got to mention something there. For Correct me if I'm wrong, but I vaguely remember... Like, on, like, one of the computer screens, like, there was, like, a fucking, like, My Little Pony, like, image or video playing on there. I think you cursed yeah. yourself to interview us in there. <laughs> like you cursed yourself. You were 100%. And that was actually my idea. We were writing, like, a kind of a vague script for what the sketch was going to entail. And I was like, well, if we're going to be in his office, we should put something fucking embarrassing on his computer screen. And we couldn't put, like, porn on it. Because I wanted to, let's put some like fucking, you know, femdom BDSM shit that, like, not that there's anything wrong with that stuff. Yeah. Don't get me wrong here. That's good stuff. But I could get why someone wouldn't want that. But I was like, I don't know, fucking put My Little Pony on there. And that's what ended up being on the screen. And so you just inadvertently cursed yourself to interview (laughs) people who worked on a My Little Pony game. Well, let's let's be careful here because it's not necessarily a My Little Pony game. And that's what I'm trying to tell you, motherfuckers. (laughs) Exactly. Is... You, as long as you don't call it My Little Pony and you don't use any My Little Co- Pony assets, I think that you have a strong case to monetize Scoot Hard. Yeah. Anyways, going back to like negative comments and stuff, I think the funniest, like the worst thing I've ever been called by like a uh, on my, any of my videos was actually it was like it was literally an April fucking Fool's joke video about like a Bionicle game because I'm like a huge Bionicle fan. Um, and. Uh, in in that video, like I mentioned, I mentioned like a feature where like or like a bug essentially where if you run it with OpenAL because it actually supports OpenAL through like Direct Sound 3D, and if you run it with that, it sounds like like there's this level where you know there's like a it's like night night outside and there's like you're a Bionicle person, mm-hmm. but like if you pan the camera, it sounds like there's a cricket stuck fucking behind the player. And so there's just a, and so I put like a little like funny little thing where it's like a cricket slapping onto the back of a Bionicle, and this one guy. I, I'm not gonna name him. I actually have a lot. Of, I have a lot of respect for the dude, actually. But uh, this one guy basically just referred to me as uh, called me Dane Cook because of that. <laughs> <laughs> he called me Dane Cook. Oh, you're gonna kill me! <laughs> <laughs> he just called me Dane Cook. <laughs> Bro, I'm not. How is that stealing a joke? I. That's just a, that's just a gameplay fact. <laughs> I mean. I mean, I mean, like, well, he's getting angry at, like, a video that's got, like, what, a quarter of the fucking, a quarter of the views that his video got, making the quote-unquote same joke. Like, I have a lot of respect for the dude, but, like, come on, man. <laughs> Ugh. He's, he's an interesting dude, I'll just, I'll just tell you that much. You, you, I, I know who you're talking about, and boy, <gasps> Yeah, no, I love, I, one time I actually, on his server, I showed him the Scoot Hard game we were working on. And I ended up showing a track there, and he's like, oh, wow, that track's actually really cool. Too bad it's going to be themed to this. And he links, like, a video on a, on a Red Dead Redemption 2 horse-killing compilation. <laughs> I can't oh, say he doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that much. Dude, dude's an interesting dude, but, uh, yeah, I actually do have a lot of respect for him, despite the fact, despite all I've said, because he's done a lot of work for, uh, for like uh like 3D audio and audio and games and stuff, I, I have a lot of respect for some of the stuff he's done. Just you know, making that shit much more well known. Um, that that's a whole other fucking rabbit hole, though. Um, yeah. And uh, we are back. Sorry, we had to take a little break there. Everybody had to go pee pee. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so 
the next thing that I kind of wanted to deep dive into a bit more was just the the vision of what Scoot Hard has become. And we, we've touched on it a little bit. We've mentioned ponies. We've mentioned kind of the the gameplay aesthetics and you know everything to do with that. But I'm I'm a little more curious. Uh, what made you want to make a game about fascist ponies in the first place? What was the influence there? So if you're familiar with the Brony fandom at all, you know, for a fact that we love our putting. First of all, no. Okay. So I'll I'll explain it to you. I'll run down. Um, I know there was this guy who did like a mass shooting a few years ago. Most were a few weeks ago. Bronies, most bronies are nothing like that. A lot of us are really just very creative, really talented people. We get a lot of flack because of how bizarre it is. But one of the things I know I, I've been noticing, and I believe it was David, um, David, um, the, the bunny guy, the the bunny guy that, not David Samansky, um, Metal, you know who I'm talking about, the guy. It's who, like this, uh, yeah, he's like a guy who covers like a lot of Doom wads and stuff on his channel. Yeah, this guy um, asked the same question about what, why fascist ponies is like. It's just something the fandom's kind of always been involved in. Back when I was developing Scooter uh, SDL, the Wolfenstein port, um, I was a big fan of Aurora Dawn's A Rainbow Factory, which is based on the song Rainbow Factory by Wooden Toaster. And it's basically the song is kind of a grim, dark. Everything's uh, in Cloudsdale, which is this. Give me a sec. Oh, sorry. I'm raising my hand here. Yeah, what what is it? You brought up the Rainbow Factory. You need to tell people what the Rainbow Factory. Yeah, that's is. what I'm going to do. The song okay. it's based on this song, which is this grim dark song called um, "Rainbow Factory" by Wooden Toaster, and basically, it, it's about this. How do I put it? There's a city in in the My Little Pony mythos called Cloudsdale, and it's kind of has this really. Special duty of helping control the weather, make sure everything's operating well. Also helping them various other tasks in the show's country of Equestria. So, um, after, with the little knowledge Aurora Dawn, the author of the fanfic, had of the show, wrote this really grimdark fic about Cloudsdale being kind of a fascist authoritarian um, society where they punish failures by grinding them into the components for rain to make rainbows. And as crazy as it is, I admit I love it, but I understand how crazy it sounds, right? I understand completely. The, I, I am self-aware of how insane it is. I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, from what I've read, if it's the sequel Pegasus device it's not as crazy as that. It's a lot more down to earth and explains a lot of things. I need to actually finish that. Uh, that's his follow-up sequel to Rainbow Factory. Anyway, um, so I was a big fan of that back in the day, and I still am. I love me a good um, story like that, <coughs> even if it is a bit <laughs> over the top. So when I was doing Scootard uh, SDL, well, what would become Scootard SDL, I was just like, I was influenced by that. I was like, the whole idea of a... But in it, the main difference between uh, Rainbow Factory and Scootard is, is simple. The, the villain is different. The events are different. Uh, basically, what I did was the Rainbow Factory setting of, of the fascist authoritarian Clousdale regime and just made Scootaloo, instead of being... Um, a helpless victim that ends up 
you know, getting captured and all that. What if I just made her like John friggin' McClain just shooting up knots, you know, with a SMG? It was a crazy ass concept, right? It was a ludicrous concept. It doesn't even make sense. Like they, they have like hoof mounted guns that retract and all that. This makes no sense logically, but yet it's what I went with because it just, it felt right. You know, it, it felt like a, it, it was fun to make. I, I actually um, enjoyed doing the pixel art out of the, um, for the Wolfenstein mod back in the day. Um, I don't know why. I, I think I didn't keep that aside because Daytime Drama 1 and Scooter DX ended up going for like a new grounds, early like 2000 new grounds aesthetic. That's another influence of mine. I absolutely love um, new grounds type stuff back in the day. I, uh, Mom absolutely hated me looking up shit on Newgrounds because she thought it was not safe for work and all that. I'm like, no shit, that's what's fun about it. <laughs> so I, what I did was I looked at Scoot Hearts. I looked at Rainbow Factory. I'm like, what would make this more of an action setting? And so I changed a few of the characters and made the. And there was a vil, there, the villain ended up being another character on the show that's introduced a lot later and I was, I guess one of my criticisms of Rainbow Factory, as much as you can criticize a, crappy, a creepypasta it's going to be completely real, I think that if he had waited about a year or two he could have actually got a lot more material for possible villains than just going with one of the main characters because there's actually a character in the lore in the, in the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Mythos it's actually a lot better as like a, um, a kind of the authority, you know, someone who would kind of be authoritarian and try to get rid of people. Um, at least in my eyes, I, I thought it was a neat little concept. So that's what I explored uh, because around the time I was developing um, Scoot Art SDL, originally I was just going to make it a Rainbow Dash, the original um, one of the main characters in the series. But then this other character named Lightning Dust came up, and I was like, That's, she's just so much of a better fit. But I'm going to be completely real. That was, um, I'm only mentioning that because that's, um, that was my thought process, right? I was looking at the show, and I was just like, hmm, how can I satirically critique Rainbow Factory? And, and because of how ludicrous it is. I'm, and I have no disrespect for Aurora Dawn, for the record. Actually, I've talked with the dude. He's given the project his blessing as this neat little AU, not canon to his work or whatever. He's absolutely Chad dude to speak to. Absolutely love talking to him. And he's actually um, helped out quite a bit on um, some of the... Well, I'll talk about it later. So, so yeah, but one of the things that absolutely sucked about doing the S Wolfenstein engine... Um, it was just so limited and all, you know, and I had to do everything from the ground up, changing the weapons, all that. So what I ended up doing was when I, um, fast forward to now, 2020, 2021, um, I revamped the weapons. I made them a lot more like Rise of the Triad inspired, you know, so you had mm -hmm. missile launchers, heat seekers, or the Philly seekers is called. There's a flame wall type weapon, which shoots a curved arc of, uh, rainbows the rainbower and a lot of people confuse it with the name rainbow or rainblower i don't care what you call it just don't call it a weak ass weapon because it's the most powerful weapon in the game um it, it basically just rips everything into atoms and um then you've got um a bunch of other weapons that were me and we had to really fine-tune these weapons a lot 
the tornadoes are went from either being completely overpowered to being underpowered. Balancing that was absolute pain. You, you know what I'm talking about, Metal. Yes, getting that oh, absolutely. God. <laughs> uh, the, but I, I think, do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, here's the thing that really, um, that I really wanted, um, and something that um, you might have figured out by now. I think about these games like build engine games, even though they're on the Doom engine. I like the movement to be like build. I like the, um, I like the gameplay to be like build. And I like the protagonist to be like build. So we needed Scootaloo to have a voice. That was something way back in the day I had, I actually had commissioned somebody back when I was working to actually be Scootaloo back in the day. Unfortunately, they, kind of dropped off the face of the planet. I couldn't bring them back for a Scootheart DX when it finally got to fruition. Um, so we had one of them, um, the sister of um, one of Metal's friends, um, Victoria, um, she did the voice of Scootaloo and absolutely bang up job. I absolutely adore. A lot of people have said the voice acting in this is really good, but I think as good as um, Jenna is, and Jenna, you're absolutely amazing, but Victoria really is awesome too, you know? She's a star, uh, essentially, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, she definitely stole the show. Yeah, she stole the show, and I'm very much of the opinion that it, if this this whole thing would not have been would not have been clenched if uh, Scootaloo was silent. I, I can appreciate like a Gordon Freeman-type protagonist, but that's not what build engine games are like. They're very much the protagonist's vocal, smart alecky. But I thought that what the interesting uh, bit about this was uh, uh, Victoria was actually, I had the idea um, for Scootaloo to not be able to, didn't like cursing, right? I originally wrote her to not be cursing because canonically in the show, I mean, I know it's safe for work and all that, but they do use euphemisms like sure as sugar instead of sure as shit or whatever. <laughs> and so I was like, what if Scootaloo, against all these fascists being like very vulgar and all that, what if Scootaloo's just kind of childlike and doesn't like really like to curse? Just kind of has this innocent aura about her. Uh, because I thought that was really important to kind of show that, yeah, she she enjoys a good wanton gratitude of silence, but she's kind of clean about it. I thought it was just a neat dichotomy because I'm not against cursing or that I fucking curse all the time, but it was interesting. But we were talking about um, having Victoria do the thing, and Victoria, well, isn't she's prefers not to curse, and I was like, okay, we can work with that because that was actually something I had in mind with Scootaloo, so. Yippee Kaye motherfucker became Yippee Kaye motherfucker. Um, or the most was... famous quote, uh, you know, taste the rainbow motherfucker. <laughs> I'm being completely real. That is. Who want the summer wang? Yeah, who, yeah, that was Metal's idea, by the way. Do you mind if I call you out like that, Metal? That, that it was your Go idea ahead. to do the who who wants some wing? Because someone yeah, was who... like, we need a we need like a, a low wang reference in there, and so he's like, who wanted some wing? I changed my st- yeah, I changed my status to that, and Ellie was like, my friend Ellie was like, my girlfriend Ellie was, me and Jenna are, uh, no, you know who Ellie is, um, Jenna. <laughs> she uh, she was pretty much just um, like, oh my god, Sonya, you didn't. And I'm like, yeah, I did. Blame metal. <laughs> just... As- as- and that's the thing that I, I, it has a weird sense of humor. It's juvenile, but 
in a fun way. I, I, I love that about this. And be completely real, Scoot Hard um, DX would not be anything without the voice voice work that was done in it. Look, you were not going to carry me on ponies. You were not going to carry me on cuteness. Like, uh, just talking about the core audience here, which is me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, but. <laughs> Of all the things that would have made me not play this game at all, like just ah, that's not for me. The what kept me going was just the excellent level design, right? Like th- this is just like a fun game to play all the way through, mm-hmm. and th- I think that's at the core what's most important. And the story that you're telling is fantastic. The humor is great. The the visual stuff. Uh, I think with the exception of like one level, I thought was like outstanding, and. I just, I at the core, I just think it's a good game, right? Like that's what really matters, like to yeah. anyone. A lot of people, once they put their past or prejudices about, oh, this is pony cringe. Oh my god, <laughs> they see that it has some quality to it. They see it has some polish yeah. to it. They see that it, it had some care put into it. That uh, it's not like one of these fly by night um, fan games you see made in Game Maker in like five seconds. Right. That's like a right jump scare or some really cheap so off. No, it's got a lot of things going for it. Oh, I had to take metal aside. I'm like, metal, listen, what are you doing? <laughs> Come on, you're better than this. <laughs> I think uh it's actually funny you're, you're talking about reactions and stuff. I actually um I I'm in like Civvy's Patreon Discord and he was like in the call one time, so I just decided to start streaming Scoot Hard to Civvy. <laughs> and some of his reactions are priceless were priceless. Like, there's, like, a section in the game uh, where you go to, like, a movie theater, mm-hmm. and there's, like, a bunch yeah. of, like, posters and stuff uh, pairing various things, and there's this one poster fucking broke him. It actually fucking broke him. He's like, no, God, no, kill it with fire. No. Like, <laughs> that was that was priceless. <laughs> but but in, in the defense of everything, because uh, uh, having been associated to myself with your fucking pony game, I've gotten a lot of people <laughs> make comments about pony games and I'm sure I'll get more once this podcast comes out. But I mean, people shit talk my little pony all day long and I've personally never seen the series, but I do know from having talked to friends who have children, mm-hmm. uh, MK Schmidt and talking about you that the show does. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit of it before, like try to, kind of appeal to a broader audience than just mm-hmm. the the obvious target, which is children. And there is one character in the show that I really do resonate with. Uh, and it's played by one of my favorite actors, John Delancey. I think that's how you pronounce his name, but he, he, uh, you know, was Q and Star Trek next generation. And he was also in Breaking Bad and Stargate and, you know, lots of other things, but the character discord, if I'm, if I'm correct yeah. here in, in my little pony is John Delancey. And he's literally recreating his character of Q from star Trek, the next generation, which is my favorite TV sh- series of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. I okay, that's, that's beautiful. That's top notch fucking kick-ass bullshit as far as I'm concerned. And so I do respect as much as I have zero interest whatsoever in watching my little pony. I do respect that it is not just a, a dumb kid show in yeah. its entirety, you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess I bring that up to say that I was, 
I was kind of bewildered when I saw this project in the in the first place. I mean, I guess I'm just going to keep shitting on ponies. I, I told you I was going to get here. We are, and here we go. Um, David Szymanski, who I brought up earlier, made a game for Dread XP called The Pony Factory, and it is nothing like your game, other than other than being a, per, a first person shooter and having the word pony and factory you know, associated with it. But I, I played mm-hmm. his game and then later I saw your game and I started to think like I had my conspiracy brain, my tinfoil hat manifested on top of my head. And I was like, what's the common factor here? What's going on? Why are there so <laughs> many fucking grown ass adults making games about pony factories? <laughs> What the fuck is going on here? And and I started really like this is like Mandela effect level conspiracy theory brain going on. And and I and I wrote Dave and I'm like, David, what the fuck is this? Have you seen this other game? And I and I think I when he was on my podcast recently, I do need to apologize for that. No, you're you need to you, we all need to understand that I record these podcasts like in bulk at one yeah. time and then I release them over the course of several weeks and then I take a break and so oh, on yeah. and so forth. So when I, when I did interview him, I had, I was not quite familiar with your game. Like metal had showed it to me like once. And that, that was, I, I apologize for not remembering the name of the game in the podcast. You're good. It's fine. That's good. Okay. That said, when I talked to him, I was just like, so did, did this, because I knew that you guys were influenced by the creepy pasta. Um, Remind me of the name of it again. Rainbow, Rainbow Factory. Factory by Rainbow, Rainbow Factory, right? So Rainbow Factory becomes Pony Factory, becomes Scoot Hard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm having a full-on fucking Mandela Effect moment in my life. I'm like, why is this happening <laughs> 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 to me? <laughs> like, because not all... The, I'm only in the scope of like these boomer shooter shit. Like what's what, how many more fucking rainbow <laughs> pony factories are out there <laughs> just stampeding the earth. <laughs> and it was so disturbing and so upsetting. And that, I guess that's the definition of horror is the fear of the unknown, which you've perfectly captured. here. <laughs> that's funny. I, I love that. <laughs> I'm, and even my favorite show, Star Trek, got tied into it. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> let's get back, get back you're, on topic. You're, you're, you're fine. Um, I, I guess the next uh, topic that I really wanted to kind of capture was, Jenna, what was your experience actually doing the voice acting for this game? Like the characters that you played, because the characters are such a big part of what the game is, um, how did you tackle it? Like, how did you go about in inhabiting the bodies of these ponies? Boy, uh, the voice acting. Well, um, start okay to just say my girlfriend told me to do it and I don't care. (laughs) My wife would say, um, I mean, that, 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 that is part of it. Um, but essentially she, she told me like, you know, hey, we've got we've got this villain, we've got this trans femboy Nazi, and uh, you know, she's like, um, you know, Rainbow Two Point and I'm like, Universe. no, and then she's like, 
well, here, watch this clip. So I watch it. And then she's like, yeah, do that. <laughs> so I did more or less. It, 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 it evolved a little bit, you know, just, just a general character. The voice is a little different. Um, the character is very obviously not the same person. Um, and, and that, that's just kind of how I got into it. I just, you know, work off of examples of what other voices have, what, what they tell me to do. And I, I take it and sometimes I add in a little bit of my own magic. Sometimes I don't. And, and, and there we go. And there have been a few cases of method acting. Um, we were doing some voice lines for an Easter egg. I'm not sure if it made it in, but, uh, it was a, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a 420 thing. Um, Oh, I think Sonia knows what I'm about to talk about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, about the, <laughs> the project that we ended up scrapping. Yes. So now me, I am, I am not the one to condone doing any sort of drugs on the job because that can end in disaster in so many ways. Sips booze. <laughs> uh, drink responsibly, kids. Um, but this one time, so I went over to my stand. I pulled out my gummies and I had some. And then I waited for about half an hour and, uh, I, I started the voice session and I just got higher and higher and I had a whale of a time, so much fun. So generally basic, basically what I'm trying to say is just kind of whatever works. <laughs> so that I'm curious voice act. as a, a, a total non illicit drug user what is what is being high with no visuals like quite fun um, <laughs> obviously i mean i keep doing it so I, I certainly hope it's fun um but you know there's obviously i mean there's 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 typical symptoms there's there's dizziness um if i take enough i am prone to auditory hallucinations which can be pleasant if I'm in the mood. Um, weed is, is, is just generally a fun time, really. Um, makes me very happy I live in a legal state. You know, there's not, not, not too much to it, honestly. I mean, it's, it's weed. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say that one, that time she improvised is the one time I was okay with um, her being, I guess, um, high while working on the project because normally I try to tell people it's like don't come into the dev server under any influence of, of drugs. It's the one and probably it's probably the one time I would probably allow it is if it helped in some way with what we were trying to do. I guess the idea was with the Easter egg she was mentioning was on 420 and maybe Jenna's birthday, because that was something that was added to the GC do mention was the ability to grab dates, was that the enemies would be replaced with weed versions of them. So they'd just be spouting pro-weed rhetoric and all that. 
and just being high as a kite and all that. Maybe they would be acting erratic. I was influenced by the game Raptor Call of the Shadows, which is an old Apogee uh, scrolling um, ship game. Sort of like, um, I forget exactly what the genre is called, but it's like a 2D shooter where you move the ship around, you shoot stuff. And on certain people's birthdays, the intro, the intro screen would be completely like... Um, would have the Apogee jingle being sung by a bunch of drunken dudes, and then Bobby Prince comes along and is like, you boys just don't get it, do you? And then it would just, and then there would be random monkeys throwing stuff at you in the gameplay itself. I was inspired by that. I was like, that would be a neat Easter egg to incorporate something like that in a game. Unfortunately, it didn't get, it was in another project that ended up getting canceled, but um, it, um, we, um, I might revisit that for a future project. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I oh, wanted it was to so much fun though. <laughs> revisit a couple of ideas that you've brought up here because I need you to understand Sonia. You've created a game that involves a bunch of ponies and rainbows <laughs> and weird things happening and a factory that controls the weather and all these kinds of things. And and there's two things that have really stood out to me. First of all, member of the LGBTQ community who doesn't recognize hairspray. First of all, strike against you. <laughs> Second of all, is no like we have a no drug rule. <laughs> Your game is just pure fucking like psychedelic mania. And I don't understand <laughs> how you could come to this conclusion. <laughs> I don't mind weed. It's I don't mind <laughs> weed. It's sometimes um I've I've had encounters with bad really bad drunks, like not fun drunks. No, you're not. You're not bad. I'm talking about like mean, like really mean. You're not mean. I don't think that it has anything to do with the use of alcohol. I think it has to do with the reason why they use alcohol. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going going back to what we talked about, this is going to be a very open moment for me. If you will, if you'll allow it. Um, I've been both, you know, I've been the unhappy person who drank to feel better, you know, or to hide their feelings or to just cognitively escape what they were going through. And I've also been the, 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 the me that you see now, which is a very in control. And like, this is something I do for fun, not something I do to escape pain. Yeah, I do agree with that. I, yeah. I do feel like it is important, but we've had some people who, um, because, um, who, um, would get under the influence and do it purposely mm-hmm. for the sake of escaping and yeah. it did not go well. So unfortunately we had to, um, make that a policy that said though, I'm considering loosening it up because I'm starting to understand more and more as the more I understand using these things, it's not you using them that's bad it's how you're using them and in what way like as jenna here can get high and function relatively well she can be a bit airheaded and aloof but (laughs) generally um she uh she's very nice to talk to very sociable very welcoming to talk to i enjoy talking to her when she's under the influence of weed as long as she does it in moderation, I don't mind. Can, but I've had. Can some I ask people- you a very direct question? Yeah. Okay, and I'll cut it if you don't like it. Okay. But 
is this informed by your childhood and like same things that impacted you that kind of led to what you mentioned before with your depression and, and abuse? Well, my mom wasn't necessarily the kind of drink. She is the kind of person that would um, get loaded up on medicine to, mm-hmm. um, and then just take out all her problems on me. Um, so it was not very fun. And I don't mind you asking these questions. It's something I actually planned on talking about. It kind of something I've recently realized was all this stuff. So yeah, it does help. Just substance abuse is something that I've been very concerned about. Uh, but I'm also kind of the very libertarian mindset that it's not my place to dictate what other people do in their spare time as long as they're not hurting anyone. So if people want to booze up and get high on weed, I don't mind. I do, in fact, I'm going to be completely honest. If you want to drop LSD, as long as you don't get behind the wheel, I don't care. Do it. So, I don't care. It's so innocent the way you say it. It's such a like a beautifully outsider-ish point of view. Like If you want to booze up or get high on weed. <laughs> booze up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very boomer-esque mindset, I'm not going to yeah. lie. Which, honestly, you mentioned me not knowing what Hairspray is and not being part of the LG- and be, me being part of the LGBTQ plus community. Mm. I honestly have never seen myself as part of the LGBTQ plus community, despite being a trans, trans um, pan, whatever you want to fucking label me. Well, I, don't, I don't know how to put it into words like yeah. trans, lesbian, uh, like who gives a shit? You're just, yeah, yeah you're who awesome gives a shit? I like I, oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I like you too, dude. Um, <laughs> not as much as Jenna, though. <laughs> no, but, but no, but, the, but here's the thing uh, I've never seen myself as part of that community, mainly because I've had a lot of bad experiences with people in that community. Uh, which is ironic because and it's weird. It's interesting you mentioned this because most of the people at Waffle Iron are some flavor of LGBTQ plus. Dude, and, remember what I said earlier about like in the keep and like the whole people accusing me of like, oh, you look like a Hitler Youth thing. I'm, I'm just like. I, I didn't intend for this to happen, but like most of the end to keep staff is like are gay Jewish people. <laughs> it's just fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> It is interesting so, like, how that bring works. it on, yeah. Bring on the criticism. Yeah, honestly, um, uh, trust me. I I know um I know a far right person. When I see it. You're not. <laughs> I I grew up in Alabama. When people bring that shit up, I'm just like, yeah, okay, sure, <laughs> yeah, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, cool. I, I grew up. I've grown up in the conservative part of Ohio. I know how it is. Um. Yeah, I, I'm just going to be completely real, though. I've never seen myself as part of the LGBTQ plus community, mainly because I'm, I guess I'm just, I've always been kind of shy about that stuff. I'm Jenna and Metal have helped me kind of be more comfortable with with that sort of thing. Uh, just being myself and being comfortable with uh, being a trans woman. Uh, I'm still early on in transitioning, though, but that's okay. But I'm going to be completely real. I'm just... I don't know. I've just never seen myself as part of that. And I think it has to do is just, and a lot of people are going to go, Oh, you're taught saying that's a political thing and it's not a trans rights or human rights thing. It's just, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's just, it's small part of who I am compared to. So there's so much more to me than just me being a trans woman. There's so much more to me than being autistic. There's so much more to me than any of these things. You're a person. Yes, I'm you're, a person. Like you're a complex, beautiful, wonderful, artistic, and, and and creative person, and that's all that really matters. 
to me yeah. anyway. Like, I don't give a fuck who you have sex with. I mean, to be fair, Jenna is extremely beautiful, and I'm very happy for you to have gotten <laughs> to that point. But speaking of beautiful people, here's my wife. But uh, we're recording a podcast, babe. She's just smiling at me. <laughs> I love you too, baby. Nice nipples. Um, I'm not editing it out. My mom's going to hear this and so is Momo. Oh my oh God. Dear. Okay. I'm not going to talk about what you just did though. Good night. Um, what was I even fucking saying? No, no, it's just like you're you're a fucking beautiful person. Like, don't fucking worry about it. who gives a shit what anybody thinks about you, man. Or, or I'm sorry, I don't know if man is even the right thing to say. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, who I gives a shit? I, I know people are different, but I personally don't care, dude. Man, that to me that's just like saying like hello, like that. I don't, I don't really. Yeah. I, I hate playing the fucking game. I I don't like playing the whole like tiptoe through the tulips game of like try to say the right thing to someone because I'm like if you said the wrong thing to me I wouldn't care you know I just respect you as a person and I know that you have no ill, Ill intention mm-hmm. yeah. does that make sense yeah, am that's I wrong sort of how I, that's sort of how I okay. roll and that's why I vibe with you so well like that right. the, the night a few few weeks ago in discord when you were just kind of like opening up about all this shit I'm like dude I don't fucking care just be you be your yeah. own fucking person yeah so, yeah, I guess I've just been around a lot of people that not only make it their entire like identity, but they make yeah. it to the point that it is insufferable. And don't get me wrong, I'm all about people being themselves. I very much agree with you with that. But then they shame others for being themselves. And it's like, it, it's to me such a hypocritical thing. Just everyone's, let everyone be themselves and um, stop this whole, you know, whether you're trans or not. You know, everyone. I I firmly believe that everyone's equal in my eyes uh, when it comes to whether they're when they come into this world, they're equal. It doesn't matter to me. It just doesn't. I'm I'm just going to be completely honest. It's a very difficult that this topic. You don't have to cut it out or anything, but it's still a very difficult subject for me because. Um, I'm still exploring it myself and a lot of people um, I've met a lot of people that have really soured my experience with it and, and some of these are the same people that I, I um, quit being friends with in the Doom community because of just how toxic they were getting um, and that's shame, it's a shame I think that people lack faith in anything in today's kind of society at large and I'm, I'm not saying Everybody does, but just in general, <clears throat> people no longer feel like they have anything to believe in so that they put that energy into believing in something like their identity, you know, or whatever. If your identity is not like I'm a Christian or I'm Jewish or I'm whatever, and that's a natural human progression. I think this is just part of our collective evolution to a certain extent, but when they don't have an identity, then they create one. Right. And mm-hmm. if you're only the only thing that makes you unique or stand out or the only tribe you have to join is that I'm trans or I'm gay or I'm uh vegan or whatever, if that's the only thing you have to stand on, then that's what they're going to 
talk about it, and they're going to be authoritative about it because it's what people deal with with their faith uh, in the past. And mm-hmm. I I sort of feel bad for people who need to define their entire identity on their sexuality, if that makes sense. Yeah, because, I do too. Because it's not the totality of who you are. In fact, you know, just for me personally, like that should be private, you know, like that should be between you and whoever your partner or partners or whatever are. Like it's not for the whole world to have to be informed about. I mean, if it's for you, if it's an anatomical thing or if it's a, you know, what I prefer to be called thing or whatever, I respect that. And I think everyone should respect that and just be like, Hey, I'll call you whatever the fuck you want to be called. That's mm. cool. But if you make if it becomes such a big problem, if it's part of your identity to the point where like you can't not be offended by someone simply making a mistake when they speak to you, then then it's just unfair. You're not playing on even playing around with everyone else. I mean, people talk about misgendering all the time. My grandma got misgendered all the time and she was a cis woman, you know, not trans. <laughs> yeah. Because she had this really deep manly voice. But about as on par with mine. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, I'm just of the opinion that um, I'm not a, I'm very much of the, um, this is just me speaking for myself only, not for Metal or Jenna, but I'm very much of the opinion that um, if it weren't for my voice and how I look, I'm still very early in transition. I, I wouldn't like to tell anyone that it's not, that's something that's very private to me. Yeah. I, in fact, that's one of the reasons why the only reason I even came out was because people are going to see Sonya, then hear my voice, and they're immediately going to go, "Oh, huh. there's a disconnect." Yeah, they're going to there's a there's <laughs> going to be a disconnect, and it's just like I don't like that. I I don't like that about myself, and I'm very much I I want to get and I'm going to be working on that over the next few weeks. Um, yeah, but yeah, um. I don't mind people asking me questions, though. Um, a lot of people don't. They just want me to fall in line. I mean, yeah. I recognize that it's a very difficult subject, but you're very brave for just being yourself, regardless of what anyone thinks. Yeah. And that's part of what I respect about you, other than the fact that I really like your game and I like the team. That, I like the culture that you've created around Waffle Iron Studios. You know, I like the fact that you've got metal and you've got Jenna and you've got all these other wonderful people working around you and they respect you regardless of that because you have a, it's they're judging you on your merit. You know, this is Dr. King's vision in Mm -hmm. action. This is judging you on the merit of your character, not on the color of your skin or the, you know, whatever you decide to call it. Whatever flag I hang up in my, uh, I'm not even sure Dr. King would have agreed with what we're talking about here. I'm just saying, yeah. Yeah. Judging you. (laughs) Who cares? Yeah, who you cares? Know? But the the beauty of that vision was that people would be judged again as an essay on who they are as a person. And as a person, you are a I, I've said it like a hundred times already, a creative individual with a vision that needs to be brought to the masses. And you found people who believe in that. And that makes you as much as you may not believe in yourself, I believe in it. You're a charismatic person. You have you have the willingness to put yourself out there in order to get the, the vision that you had set before you out to the people who need to see it. And that's, that's awesome. If I may, uh, (laughs) if I may speak for a moment, uh, regarding this whole thing, I've been fairly silent as of late, but it's whatever. Um, I, uh, 
as far as as far as how I see myself and stuff, I mostly see myself for my for what for my work and my deeds. If that makes any sense, you know, it's like it's like who I am is my deeds and a culmination of all my work I've done. You know, like I'm metal. I'm the person who did Scoot Hard DX's soundtrack. I mean, you know that type of shit. I'm um, not necessarily for anything else about me. Like I don't know. I'm like this. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm metal. Like essentially, I worked. I, I did Scoot Hard DX. I used to help run a scene for a Smash tournament. You know, stuff like that. You know. Mm-hmm. And and I'm, and that's more about like you know more to me that's more of who I am than anything you know beforehand like you know where my family comes from which I'm not I don't even I'm not even fully familiar with that myself honestly <laughs> but uh, yeah it's a, it's a very egalitarian point of view that you mm-hmm. guys have kind of created for yourselves and and that's cool I, I dig it I also believe in like, you know, heritage and everything, but like cut out the yeah. parts that don't work now and keep the parts that do. You know, mm-hmm. if if the Ten Commandments still work for you, great. Cool. Keep the yeah. Ten Commandments. They sound great. Like I I believe in pretty much all of those values. Covet your neighbor's wife, get fucking schwacked, bro. <laughs> Unless they're cool with it. <laughs> if yeah. they're cool with it, then then whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um but um, I guess we're, we're towards the end of this thing. We should uh, we should come out with the uh, the big reveal that you guys want. There you go. Okay. Here we go. Here's the big uh, news. Um, so we took into consideration what you were saying about Scootard on DX, um, and we have decided we are going to retool it to make it an actual commercial game. And okay. expand upon it considerably. We've already started work on it. We're trying to get a demo a demo out um, within the next few months. There's some I'm gonna have to redraw the sprites, and I don't mind doing that. Honestly, drawing ponies as fun as it was, drawing humans I'm having a lot more of a fun time with because I work better with the human anatomy. Um, just when it comes to drawing humans and all that. I'm gonna be completely real. I'm excited for this. Um, I don't know how I'm gonna do it just yet because there's disability stuff I need to work out. I, that was something I didn't mention. I am disabled because of my um, some physical and mental health conditions, right? And I'm very much of the opinion that um, it is um, something that I'm going to wor- have to work out with. You know, work out in terms of um, because I don't. You know, you got. I want to keep my health benefits and all that, but that's part of the journey. I want to be able to do this. I don't want to be stuck in this the rest of my life. I want to be able to make this. And I'm seeing now that there is a market for I'm not saying this is a slur, but highly autistic boomer shooters. A lot of people seem to like what we did. And it's like, I feel like it would even have more of an appeal if we were able to um, make it something original, but still in the same spirit of things, still in the very same spirit of things. Um, and Metal's coming back as a composer. He's going to retool the soundtrack, make it even better. He's going to expand upon it. I want Jenna to come back as the voice of the, you know, of who will who was Main Bow slash Lightning Dust is now going to become someone else. And I want Victoria to come back as uh, Scootaloo. And um, should we reveal the name of the project? Um, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine talking about uh, the, the projects cur- you want to talk about. The, the current project name, it, it's a placeholder, is um, 
it's project absentia is the is the the or absentia for short. Uh, what I was doing was talk with Aurora Dawn, the original author of the fic, and I was like, hypothetically, could we turn this into an original IP? And he gave me some ideas, and he's like, all he wants is credit, like co-writing credit. That's all he wants, and even then, he's he's pretty. It's pretty much just a joint effort between me and him. He came up with some basic concepts, a new logo. Instead of the Cloudsdale Weather Corporation logo and some various ideas. And he's letting me pretty much just, again, do what I did with Scoot RDX and kind of make my own thing loosely based on his concept. Except it's completely original, completely detached from the My Little Bunny mythos. And that's what we're going to be doing. We, we are, um, I'm hoping to get it something done in time so we could show it to possibly. I don't know. I would like to show it at Realms Deep. I don't know if they would be interested in something like what we're doing. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I if I may talk a little bit more, am I allowed to talk about like my plans for the music? Um, no, uh, sure. Yes, please, absolutely. Okay, yeah. So my plans for the music, I'm going to keep as much of it the same as I can because I actually am really proud of most of what I did for uh, Scoot Hard DX. Um, with that said, there are a few tracks that I think I mentioned it earlier that you could really tell that that was before I got my hands on like, it was like one of those before that landmark moment when I got my hands on some sampling synths. And I feel like some of them I'm going to end up like not, not completely replacing, but just doing another, another cover or rendition of it. That sounds a lot better. Um, one of them in particular, um, it's like the fucking science lab before you fight the uh, second boss of the game. That track is re- one of the most repetitive tracks in the game. And I just want to like completely make that one better because that one it's not a bad concept it's just way too repetitive for how long the level is you know and so because basically how i do music i tend to like look at an environment and i'm like okay i see what's going on here and i just kind of like you know like you know design the music based off what i see you know um that level was actually one of the most chaotic levels in design yeah that was a that That thing was like a mess that was that level is a curse yeah, <laughs> honestly. So, so it doesn't. It makes sense that you would want to revisit that soundtrack um, for for that that music track for that particular level because honestly, that level was kind of a zombie. Which is ironic, not ironic. It's kind of fitting. It was a, because that's where some of the zombies are in the game, and it's pretty much stitched together from a bunch of level um, concepts that we had in some pre-existing levels we pretty much retooled to um so it makes sense that it was kind of the most um complex levels that i think we did because just so i think the track needs to be expanded upon i definitely agree with that yeah the only other track i'm really gonna change is the first boss's music not because i think it's bad it's just like i just don't i just think it's i I don't know it was before i got my hands on like some of my some even some of my analogs since like a 303 i'd love to redo it with like a 303 to really give it like a proper acid house vibe because beforehand i was trying my best to do acid house i don't know if i nearly hit that but i'm definitely going to do much more of that with like that version of it but and i'm also going to be changing the main theme from like you know the current main theme and any of the songs that are based on the main theme Uh, i'm going to be changing that because i want to give it like its own identity in a sense but like most of the music is going to stay untouched. Like uh, all of the unrealistic sounding stuff is, is staying. So don't, don't worry about that. Um, we've also are doing considerable work on uh, adding more voxels to the game as well. Uh, because uh, I, I love voxels personally. That's just, that's just me. And honestly, they're not even that hard to make, at least in my experience. Cause like I basically just model something in blender 
and I import it into my voxel program, you know, clean it up, color it, and then boom, we and then we import into the Ken Silverman tool, and then boom, it's in just in Jeezy Doom. Yeah. So like all the all the weapons are voxels. We currently are have like um we're doing some 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 retooling of the arsenal, not like a ton, but we have some like uh instead of having like an SMG, we now have a Tommy gun instead. And the Tommy gun, uh basically once you get the Tommy gun, it completely replaces the pistol, makes it obsolete. Um so like that's basically how that goes. And with a Tommy gun, you have two types of ammo in it. You have a normal normal ammo, which is just infinite ammo. It does kind of it just kind of peppers the enemy mostly, except for like low level stuff. But then you have like hollow point rounds, which drop from some enemies and will be placed in the map sporadically. And that shit will just fucking eat through like flesh based enemies. It, it will it will like literally just like shred through them. It, it doesn't do it, it does fuck all against like armored enemies because it's hollow point. But, you know, <laughs> that's just that's that's more on technicality and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, something I've actually been working on recently in, in the game actually is that we're we're changing. We're keeping the level design intact for the most part, but we're going to be like expanding the actual visual detail within each of the maps. So, like, you know, don't worry, the layout's going to stay mostly the same, but we're going to be making it way more detailed. Like, actually, just before I got on this podcast, I was working on uh, the mine level that I mentioned a long time ago, and I expanded, like, this one combat encounter, which is where there's all those fucking enemies who are, like, shooting at you and shit. And I expanded the room to be, like, really fucking tall and have, like, this giant sense of scale. Especially because, like, I was inspired by Unreal, of course. So, I, and, like, you know, if anyone remembers Unreal for anything, it's the fucking scale of the game, other than, you know, just fucking uh you know alexander brandon's music it's just like how big it feels you know like there were like back then i don't, I don't think there were maps that were that big and like you know like games like that anyways and so i kind of wanted to capture that a little bit so like I, ex- I expanded this one room to really make it like you know feel like an actual mine rather than something that like you know kind of looks like a mine um and i, and I just got started on it too um we're not going to be retooling like we're going to try to keep as much as we can but we want to at least make it look more detailed and much more polished essentially mm-hmm. um can, can, can we talk a little bit about the plot, actually, Sonya? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's actually what I was going to suggest was uh, let's talk a little bit about the plot. Yeah, you plot. can talk about the plot. Go um, ahead. Go ahead. Uh... Three, two. Okay, yeah. So uh, as far as the story goes, um, this is like more of Sonya's thing, actually, um, funny enough. But uh, I, I, could, I could give a little bit of like an overarching like themes of the story. It's going to involve uh-huh. like – actually, you can go ahead, Sonya. Um, so basically, um, angels, um, are, um, in their own dimension, have basically heaven, right? Then you've got three other realms. Just hear me out, right? And (laughs) they're all kind (laughs) of, but here's the thing. They have a very specific task in that they are using, um, Angels that can't fly for nefarious means. So angels that can't do their heavenly deeds, angels that can't perform the, up to task are... Are we talking about Scoot Hard or are we talking about Doom Eternal? No. <laughs> I was actually worried that people are going to draw comparisons to Doom Eternal. But then again, at this point, Doom Eternal's pretty much done a lot of things. Uh, honestly, so... So Absentee is basically this angel that can't fly very well. She can glide. Yeah. I was going to bring this up earlier, but now that you've said it twice, I'm going to say it again. Or say it for the first time, but again in my head, I guess. Um, Isn't that word pronounced absentia? Am I crazy? Yeah. Absentia, absentia. Is it it like a homophone or a homonym? Am Am I crazy? She goes by. Do they have different def- definitions? She mostly uh, goes by Absentia. Abby. 
Yeah, she okay. just goes by Abby. Who gives a fuck? Just keep going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, we'll get the pronunciation down uh, path. <laughs> no, but Abby is basically an angel that can't fly very well. Um, okay. She can glide, but she can't fly. She's not very good at patrolling um, heavenly elements or doing heavenly anything. Uh, she's failed all of her exams, but she happens to also have a big... Uh, she happens to have someone in her life who has taught her very well and has she's very skilled at combat and all that. She does a lot of self-defense and all that. So anyway, she's taken to this facility up in the heavens that is where they're going, and she senses something nefarious is going on, so she gets away. Basically the plot of Scootar with instead of their angels, instead of Pegas you know, Pegasi. The problem is um, we needed to really um, adapt a lot of these characters. So and I'm not going to say um, specifically who or what. I want people to figure that out for themselves when the game um, comes out. But Abby basically uncovers a conspiracy that goes from not just the heavens, but every single layer of the... Um, from he- heavens all the way to the Elder Realms, basically. She has... She finds that there is something so deep, it's more than just what the heavens are doing. And she's got to go against all of it. She's got to kick ass and take names, yield Ripeth and Tareth, so to speak. Um, Have you you considered writing the next great American novel instead of making (laughs) video games? Because this is really sounding like the plot to like a Neil Gaiman book. Nah, I'm not a... Honestly, um, I prefer the video games as a storytelling medium anyway. Whatever you like. <laughs> no, but, but here's D&D to me, honestly. No, but, but here's the thing. Um, there's going to have the same sense of humor, the same kind of everything. In fact, we want to keep as much of this as same as possible to what Scudard was in terms of the mechanics, the weapon system, the characters are... We're, we're currently doing some revoicing of the characters because the names obviously have to change a bit. But where again, the idea is to make this as the same as possible while improving what made it work. But that's and, not it. But that's not it. But that's <laughs> so, not it. Basically, uh, the big thing is that what is was currently what you currently play through in Scootar DX with with Absentia Project Absentia that is literally just episode one. And our plan basically is to have it be a multi-episode type of deal where uh, that's just episode one. Each episode's like a one to two hour chunk or so, you know, fairly digestible in each chunk. So you could go back, you could play episode one one day, then maybe next time you have like a little bit of a break, you know, that type of shit. And each episode's going to take place in a very different area of the game. It's going to be like three or four episodes, I think, right? Three episodes, four tops. Yeah. And, uh... Basically, um, and we're going to be changing the ending of the first episode um, to be a bit more of a cliffhanger, obviously, because we want people to actually play, you know, please buy our game and, and, you know, (laughs) actually play more of it. But, uh, yeah, we're going to be uh, expanding it a ton, um, you know, with, like, way more areas, um, way more enemies, too. Like, we're adding, like, new enemy designs and stuff and also retooling a couple of old ones, like... I know a lot of people gave us a lot of flack for the enforcers, the shield dudes, because they kind of took fucking forever to kill. I mean, we fixed um, that already in the main Scootar DX yeah, game, but we're. I'm gonna be very honest. Those enemies are not nearly as bad as you made them out to be. I just shot them until they died, and it was yeah. not a problem. 
Like, I can I can get why people can get hung up on like the actual like what are the mechanics I need to learn in order to defeat this enemy? Like in a Doom Eternal way, that's the, the obvious kind of <laughs> marauder comparison. But uh, you know, I just uh, flew up in the air and shot them with rockets until they died, and it was <laughs> quite easy. A lot of people had trouble with them with that mechanic, and I think it's when Metal and I were talking about that. It's literally the fact that no one has, I think, ever played a Doom based game that like an engine or assets or whatever that has this kind of verticality to it. And that's something I think a lot of people um, are going to be drawn to, I think, especially when it becomes more than just, you know, my little pony themed thing. I think that's something that um, I I definitely want to keep because boy, I'm so glad Metal suggested that we uh, make the gliding even more tight because, boy, it was so awesome to get that working. And, I yeah. really like that mechanic. I was telling Metal I'm, I'm going to steal it for sure. Like I'm actually <laughs> take the code right out of your game and put it in something else. I mean, go right ahead. It's like I think it's a uh, three clause BSD. Yeah, I think yeah. So it. any of the code I write myself is three clause BSD. Yeah, you have full permission. <laughs> yeah, full permission to modify it for your own purposes. Easy. Yeah, what we actually ended up doing for the enforcers, and I feel like it's a lot more fun now. It's it's they're more threatening and way more dangerous, but they're actually more fun too. When you shoot them with rockets, they still put up your shield and stuff. Because the reason that I created them originally was because beforehand you could just take the heat seeker rocket and spam it, and then you'd win. You know, and that's a, that's very fucking shallow. I don't think that's very fun after a while. And so I was like, oh, what if there's an enemy that deflects that shit back at you, so you don't want to spam them with that. So now they now that and I still kept that in mind with redesigning them. So they still pull up their shield and then you know block rockets when you shoot that at that when you shoot at them. However, when you shoot other things at them that aren't just rockets, they will fucking go on a rampage and just barrage you with grenades. So many fucking grenades. Like they're not the hardest to deal with in open areas, but in tight confined spaces, they are absolute fucking bastards to deal with. <laughs> yeah, and um, I absolutely love that. Yeah, um, they are Metal's brainchild. It was him who actually came up with the initial design, the redesign, based on people's yeah. feedback. And I do I plan actually, on that. I do want to say for the freeware Scooter DX release, there's definitely going to be at least one more patch before uh, we. Um, I just want to leave this the freeware version for as um, good as it can be, while still giving people an incentive to buy the commercial version. Um, I know a lot of people might find that controversial that we're going commercial, but honestly, with all the feedback I've gotten, I think it would be stupid not to adapt this. Into... And also, we're doing way more to change this from the free yeah. version to the commercial version. Uh, like, look at Xan, for instance. Like, we're doing, like, not not to shit on Xan. I love Head-On, for instance. But, like, we're changing so much more about the free version compared to the paid version compared to, like, you know, Xan, who basically, you know, he, he did he did a good job, I, I'd say. Yeah. But, you know, it's basically the same game, you know? Yeah. Um, where are you going to say... Metal, I think you've heard this rant like 250,000 times. Yeah. But uh, I'm sick and tired of people making Doom engine games, feeling like there has to be some sort of fucking obstacle to jump over for them to feel comfortable to publish their game commercially. It's total fucking bullshit. (laughs) People in the Doom community, like... It's actually a minority. It's not like that yeah. many. It's not like the majority of people actually feel this way. But like you know, there's this stigma of like Doom has always been free, and mods of Doom should be free. And I saw Dread X uh, 
go through the same thing with like, well, how come I have to pay money for your game, but Haunted PS, you know, X1 or whatever is free? And it's very simple. The fucking only thing in between is that one thing is, you know, obviously Haunted PS1X or, you know, whatever they're doing. The Haunted PS1 demo disc community are publishing something called PS1. So, like, they don't get to commercialize that because obviously PlayStation owns the rights to that title. There's no contesting that. But with DreadX, it's like they are hiring people to make these games. They are paying them to do so, and they need money to do that. And if you want to play the game, you have to pay for it. And you should because that's what keeps these people with the free time to dedicate to doing that art that you're going to enjoy. So fuck you. If you disagree with that, like yeah. I have no time for that argument actually. And the same yeah. thing goes for GZ doom. There's, you know, there's, it's wonderful that people have gone through all of the trouble over the last 25 years or whatever to take that engine and make it into something we can publish commercially. And they should be thanked. And honestly, I think they should have had their own Patreon page this whole fucking time for, since it was available to them or, or, or whatever, not necessarily Patreon, but yeah, I think they deserve some sort of compensation as well. However, the fact that your game is made on the doom engine does not like it's, it's like saying, uh, Oh, you made a game on the unreal engine. Like you shouldn't be allowed to publish that because it's built on an engine that another game. That, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. It's such a dumb stigma. And I, I understand why people kind of expect that Doom Engine, you know, stuff is supposed to be free because they've been fed mods all this time. And I think the modding community should stay where it is. Like the modding community is amazing and it's where 50% of my content and most of the things that I enjoy come from. But this is not a mod. This is a completely new game built on that engine. So what's the fucking problem? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I'm sorry. That. I didn't mean to go on a whole fucking rant. No, no, that's no, such it, a, like, no it, it, it's fine, Mother Load. In fact, that, that's honestly something I've seen people do in the Doom community. There's this guy, I uh, forget the name of the mod, that ended up becoming a freeware standalone project. And then it eventually became a paid mod. And someone was in the comments basically going, Oh, I can't afford this. And everyone was just telling him, Well, put it on the wish list and wait for it to go on sale or ask someone to buy it for you. They were just so entitled to the whole idea that this was just another mod and not its own thing. And in fact, a lot of people still call Scooter DX a mod and, and they're technically not wrong, but it's really its own thing. It doesn't require Doom to play and all that, you know? If Scoot Hard DX is a mod of Doom, which, you know, I can see the logic, I can follow that that brainwave there, then CSGO is a mod of Quake. Period. <laughs> Suck my butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And people pay money for that, or they did up until they made it freeware, and now they're paying for loot boxes and stupid bullshit like that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think what really gets me about the people who um, say that it's um, that mods should be always free, and I agree that if it's just a simple mod, that outside maybe a Patreon page or whatever, I don't really like the idea of paid mods. But when it comes to something that is completely standalone completely 
its own thing and just happens to use an engine. That just kind of seems limiting. If you're not in frac, if you're not creating an, an a legal infraction on someone else's intellectual property, right? Like, so if you're not taking something, some asset from Doom that has not explicitly been made open source, then I don't see the fucking problem with you collecting whatever you want from it because it's not. This is what people get wrong, in my opinion. Like the way that an economy works, if you are providing something of value to someone else and they want to exchange a value equivalent to what they get out of it with you, that is their choice and your choice and no one else's choice. They don't get to say, you know, like if you grew fucking like me, let's say you grew peppers in your backyard, right? And I do. And someone wants to give you money for that. Is, is Monsanto going to come to my fucking house and be like, N- you can't grow peppers in your backyard. We own peppers. <laughs> like you can't give that... Like that's it's such a, it's such a fucking stupid ass argument. I I literally hate having it. I'm sorry. Yeah, but like John I Carmack provided. And, yeah, go ahead. John Please, Carmack yeah. and Id Software back before it was owned by Bethesda made the Doom Engine GPL V3 for a reason. Initially, it wasn't, but then they re-released it as such. GZ Doom recently, like within the past few years, got rid of all the you know got it completely GPL V3. Compliant, and so and the the way that license works is as long as the code that you write for um, the GPLv3 uh, does not inf- interact with, say, the BSD or whatever, as long as it stays relatively separate, it doesn't. You 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 can do whatever you want with it. You can even commercialize it as long as any modifications you make to it are open source as well. That doesn't mean the game itself, because I mean, anyone can just crack open the IPK3 and see how it works anyway. I'm not going to modify it or anything to make it so you can't. And even if I did, I'd have to open source it. It is perfectly legal. It's very... The one good thing I like about the GPLv3, I'm more of a BSD clause gal myself, but um, three-clause BSD, but it's allowable. It's doable. And I've heard, I'm being, t- I'm with you, uh, Motherload. I'm tired of the argument that I, I worked so hard on this. So did Metal, so did Jenna, so did a bunch of other people. We want to go commercial because we want to start paying people and we want to start doing things and make this much, much better. And we're turning into original IP. We should have every right to monetize it. Well, let's take a, a more uh, tangible example, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say that you paint um, Warhammer figures or like D&D figures or something like that. Do you owe Wizards of the Coast? Like, do they own you, your artistic vision of painting that figure? No. They own the distribution of the figure, right? So Mm -hmm. you buy the figure, you've paid them what they're owed at that point. Zero. We're, we're at equilibrium now. Mm-hmm. If you want to then create a subscription service or a market that allows you to sell your customized painted figures of whatever that is to a, a group of people that want to buy it, I don't see what the fucking problem is. So why is it a problem if you modify the Doom engine to your will and then sell it as long as it doesn't use any assets? Like, it's the same exact like 
logic. line of logic here. Exactly. I don't see what the problem is. The reason a lot of people get hung up here, and this is, might be the most politically think charged thing I say all night, is because a lot of the Doom community are a bunch of freeloaders. <laughs> Dude, we've talked tonight about fucking, you know, like dealing with disability. We've talked about existentialism. We've talked about trans uh, stuff. And the most controversial thing you are going to say all night is... <laughs> the Doom community are a bunch of free. <laughs> well, yeah, they have this really no. In all seriousness, they have this mindset right, that's just right. um, everything needs to be handed to them. Uh, in fact, that's honestly one of the things that absolutely drives me up the wall. Is even the people who the same people who were advocating for this mod to be actually be able to be commercialized and all that are also the same kind of people that also kind of just shit on anything being commercial because it ends up being corporate or whatever, blah, blah, blah. They end up doing the same. They end up going to this logic that money is, you know, basic wage is good, but anything beyond that is bad. If you want to enterprise or capitalize on things, you're part of a, you're part of a problem. And it's just crazy. These are people who don't understand what money is. Can I? It's very simple. It's if it's not worth the ten dollars that we charge you for it, then you don't get it. It's not for you because it's not worth that to you. It's it's in the language we wrote it down. Like I don't know how many fucking a millennia or whatever ago when the English language is, was invented. If it's not worth it to you to pay for, then don't pay for it, and then don't play it. Not a problem. Or pirate it. Fucking a like. No one's going to actually stop you. I prefer you didn't, but if you're gonna like, go ahead. Fucking a. If I may add to this as well. Um, if I'm, if I may add to this, I, I used to be like a, a TO for like project M, which is like a mod of, uh, you know, super smash bros brawl to make it more like a melee and such. But like testicle what I noticed, officer? what was that? TO testicle officer. Uh, no, <laughs> a tournament organizer. I organized all the tournaments and stuff and also did streaming and such. But, uh, a lot of my experiences, um, doing so people are, people are very fucking dismissive about mods in my experiences doing that, you know, like, 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 and I know it's not going to be exactly the fucking same, obviously, like people are obviously way more accepting of mods in the doom community than they are, you know, over like in the melee community, for instance, but, uh, people over in the melee community in my experiences were very fucking uh, dismissive. Uh, I've had so many people like, you know, refer to PM as like, you know, one of the funniest ones to me is like pretend melee <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and, and basically we were just like very fucking submissive about it because it was done by, uh, by, by smaller people instead of this big corporation. And that was like one of the more common things we got. Um, and I, I don't think it's the exact same thing with the doom community, obviously, but I feel like there's a little bit of that, that because it's made by these smaller people that it should adhere to a specific standard, you know, um, which, which is the ironic thing because id software started out exactly like how we were yeah just a bunch of people wanting to make a game based on a very loose concept yeah like i think it was like a D adventure they had one time <laughs> like that was their entire yeah. basis I mean, for well, doom quake was essentially supposed uh, okay well I, I, yeah can i can i yeah, sure for a couple of seconds if you play doom and, and you're working in the doom engine so i'm sure you're intimately familiar yeah. with this but Doom is D and D. It mm-hmm. is a dice roll. Every time you make a shot, every time you do anything, it is a dice roll of how much damage you're going to do. Exactly like D and D. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not knowledge that I profess myself. This is something that was taught to me by Scarecrow from 3D Realms. Yeah. But Quake was intended totally to be a, like, you know, a CRPG, you know, mm-hmm. like a very D&D inspired thing. Down to the fact that if you if you read Masters of Doom, Quake was their it was their D and D campaign. Like they played D and D all the time, uh-huh. and Romero very much envisioned that um, it didn't become that obviously, and that's why Romero ended up part of why Romero ended up leaving the company. But Quake was envisioned as such, which is why you have all this like weird uh, Lovecraftian medieval kind of theme in the early parts of quake and then you know over time as romero became more and more distant and they realized like okay we're not going to make that game but we have all this built already we have this beautiful the greatest engine ever made no no question about it i think quake is still quake one is still the best engine ever made ever (laughs) in terms of just what you can do with it and how perfectly aligned it is. But they, they had this vision for it. And then, you know, they had to decide like, all right, we're not going to go that route. We're going to continue on the route that we already had, which was with doom first person shooters. And then thus we have what we now call quake one. And that's the, uh, that ends up being kind of the legacy of it software from that point. And, I guess to kind of get back to the point, what I'm trying to say is that everything that we play is influenced in one way or another by the tabletop RPG. Even if it's not in Quake, you know, a, a shot is 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 a finite amount, but in Doom, it's a dice roll, exactly like it is in D and D. And then even with uh, everything else, it is influenced at least by the way that we tell that story, the way mm-hmm. that you interact with the environment. So. I, never mind. I, I went off on, on a tangent that I'm not prepared to argue for. Go back to what you're saying. No, I, I agree with what you're saying, actually. No, yeah. I agree okay. with what you're saying. I've actually read Masters of Doom. It's an awesome book. Uh, I have the audio book of it um, on my local hard drive here. Uh, the one thing I am going to say about um, one of the... Th- a lot of people, um, getting back to my main point, was I guess it's just people just think that because we're not some big big ass corporation pumping out Call of Duty 666,000 were not worth the money. I'm going to be honest, I'm so you're not asking for $70 for your fucking game. Yeah. You're asking no. for nothing. You're literally putting your game out for free like a bunch of jackasses <laughs> when you should be charging $10 for it. We're going to we're going to I guess that's just like, just nicely into a pricing model, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to um, we're oh have to find God. a sweet spot, you know. I don't want to charge eight, too much. I don't want to charge too little. Eight months from now, I I will gladly step in. I'll I'll be Waffle Iron Studios fucking CFO, and I'll take that shit on. Like this is so <laughs> stupid. What we were planning on doing? Uh, am I allowed to discuss this, Sonya? Oh uh, yeah. No. Uh, okay. No, absolutely what I was not. planning no. on doing? Oh. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> What, I, what we were planning on doing was having it be like start out 10 bucks, but then as we add more content, we were planning on having the price ramp up essentially per episode. So or like an early access type model. Yeah, we're we're going with the early access type model, I think. Um 
Not only because, like, you know, uh, not only because we could do that, but also because, like, I feel like uh, it could give us, like, some, like, insight and some feedback on certain things. Because we do always want feedback, like, on our project, you know? Like, I love hearing people talk about it, even if they're not saying good things about the project. Like, I still like that people are talking about it, period, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, and, it, like, honestly, when the end people were talking about how the enforcers were giving them trouble, I'm like, yeah, we need to rework those. The key is fine-tuning everything, every little thing about that. Yeah, because you don't want to make it, like, the engine. If you'd asked me, like, two years ago, right? If he's 100 episodes ago almost, we're, we're really getting close to 100 episodes. Yeah. If you'd said, hey, Motherload, um, do you think that one day on End the Keep podcast, you'll be uh, talking about a, a weird pony game and giving them advice on how to monetize it? I would be like, uh, absolutely not. That will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the right track. You've swayed me. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. Ten years ago, I probably would have not imagined I would have been on someone else's podcast. Ten years ago, I didn't imagine that I would ever be on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Period. You know, I didn't I mean, even, did we, were there, was the only podcast ten years ago were like David, David Arquette. Did he have one? And then Rogan. That was it. You know, there's not a whole lot of people podcasting 10 years yeah. ago. I'm now completely, it's a dime a dozen. I'm going to be completely honest. I never thought I'd be on a podcast ever. So well, this is my first time I was on my own pod, um, not my own making, podcast. And thank making you. Making dreams for, come true. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I'm not sure of an ETA on absentee, absentia. We'll get the name of how it's pronounced. Um, I've heard it pronounced both ways. I don't know. And we will, um, um, but I don't, but the one thing I do know is we, we are going to be working hard on it so we can put it up um, on Steam and all that. Um, we're, in, we're in kind of, I guess, um, I guess an alpha stage of that, just retooling the various enemies. Um, we're going to keep their general designs the same, but make their silhouettes kind of stand out a bit because that was another criticism people had was the um, ponies all look the same. So it's kind of hard to make them stand out in a crowd. Especially with like the bosses. I think, I think you actually mentioned it specifically to me, mother load with like uh, this, the second and final boss. Like it was kind of hard to tell them apart, like in like a a distance. Yeah. We're going to change. You guys, do you want me to like air my grievances? Like I, I typically don't do that unless invited to do so. Uh, I mean, it's up to you, Sonia. I think um, we've heard a lot of. Um, I mean, I'm not against like the feedback, but I kind of would um, for we uh, maybe uh, show you what we've got going. Maybe those grievances have been aired out. Yeah, so possible, give it, give us, a, give us, so give us about I say a month or so, and we'll show you a new. We'll show you a new build, and we'll see if those grievances you had uh, were still there. Because we're we are retooling a few things to make it a bit more. Um, I think in the sense of the um, game balance and all that, I, and the enemy designs and all that. Um, I want to see uh, what we can do before we. Uh, I don't want to get too many ideas at once, too much feedback at once from when um, I'm trying to um, polish what I've already got there. As I said, though, I, I will gladly hear it in about a, a month or so when we uh, show it to you next. It's just That's a very mature way of looking at it. Yeah. That's, uh, like, 
Truly. That's like a, nah, let me, let me deal with what I'm already working on before I take any more feedback. Most yeah. people won't do that. And that's a, a credit to you actually, Sonia, as a, as a developer, because a lot of developers are like very open to just like, just tell me everything all at once. And I'm like, that's data overload. I do it every day. You know, like I, I deal with fucking Nabe. Nabe. You son of a bitch. Um, who is my best friend and is the number one like developer behind in the keep.com him and Gummo son and the, this, all the production stuff aside from in the keep podcast and you know, whatever else we're doing, like the, the real meat and potatoes of in the keep is, you know, esports. Uh, mm-hmm. production and if I, if I have any anything at all that I plan to put in front of people I always run it by name first and then he brutally annihilates my ego he tells <laughs> me every little thing that I would never have guessed was wrong with it and then I'm just like okay stop 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 listen just I, I asked you a question at the beginning of this just answer that question and I'll deal with everything else you said later I a hundred percent agree with you. Don't don't let people just like overload you with more work than you're willing to or able to intake at any given time. That is a very smart and mature way of looking at how you're gonna deal with the project. Yeah, um, because sometimes I get easily overwhelmed and I, I'm not trying to call out metal here, but here we go. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, oh, you mean metal's... the ADHD fucking king of the world? Yeah, <laughs> you you pretty much just I'll be working on something, I'll be showing you something, and then you'll be give me like five thousand five thousand things at once. It's like calm down. I all I did was sir, this is a Wendy's. Here's my metal impression. Oh, by the way, did you think of like the other things that you didn't fix? Yeah, that is you, metal. No, it's like I'm just like Sonic, just like running fast and everything. And Sonya's just sitting here, just like, what the fuck is a Sonic? Oh, well, like to to his credit, you know, he's he's a good shill because like we'll be hanging out in like the the general chat of in the keep and just like. You know, we're watching a movie or we're playing games, we're playing guitar, whatever, just chilling, just genuinely relaxing, not thinking about business. Metal joins, hey, Metal, what's going on? And then he'll say, you know, like, my day went so-and-so. And he'll, he's very subtle about it. You know, he'll ease it in there, just slowly lubricate and press <laughs> into the, the orifice. And then once he's in there, he gets in there like this. For the people who aren't watching, you know, who can't see what's going on, Here's my fist inside of the hole of my fingers. And then it's like, oh, by the way, scoot hard today. And then just a million things. <laughs> yeah, he, he he has a tendency to do that, right? And here I'm just, here I'm just like, I'm working on one thing. I'm balls deep in this code metal. Can you not? <laughs> I'm s- for the record, when I suggest all the things, I don't always mean you should do them immediately. Yeah, I know, but it's just like... I know, I'm sorry. It, it, it gets overwhelming. And with someone with sensory overload, it is a brutal goddamn thing. Now, Metal, I do the same thing to my wife. Like, it's okay. a problem in our relationship, right? Like, I wake up in the morning, and I think of everything that we should do that day. Yes. And she wakes. She generally wakes up after me because she has like a different schedule with her job. And I'm mm-hmm. just like a she. So she first thing when she wakes up, 
I'm standing downstairs. I'm making coffee. She walks downstairs. I'm like, hey, babe, you know what you should do today? And she's like, oh, what? And I'm like, <laughs> we should do the laundry and we should work in the garden and we should go to grocery shopping. And we should blah, 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 blah. And did, did you clean the car? And did you do this? And then she's just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I get it. It would be better if I were to put a fucking whiteboard on the refrigerator and write a checklist. Yeah. And I think I think that would be a better workflow for everyone. <laughs> yeah, probably. No. But no. I, I think the same way you do. I think very like everything for me learning like I bet when you go to school, do you take notes? Do you like literally write down notes? Uh, it depends. I haven't been doing that since I've been going online. But like when I used to go uh, in person, I would always write down notes. I don't write down notes. I never have not. I mean, since elementary school on, I do not write notes. I am an auditory learner and I only retain information when it is a relevant to me and B when it's taken in through conversation. Yeah. Does mm-hmm. it, you know, you know what I mean? Like if somebody yeah. sends me a technical document, go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Not reading that. Yeah. And so we have someone so, on the team who likes to do that. Just send technical yeah. documents all the time. It's just like, I ain't reading this shit. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah. It's not, I respect that some people learn that way. Like that's the way yeah. that it works for probably the majority of people is you just have something to refer to. I remember tasks and things that I need to remember by remembering them because I heard them. And yeah. that's just how I learned. And so I respect both sides of the argument, but like you have to, as a part of a team, metal. <laughs> um, <laughs> You have to, you have to respect that other people don't intake information the same way you do. I know so the the organized way to do. Do you guys have like a Trello? Yeah, we're considering know? setting that up. The, the main thing is to really benefit it. We're going to have to figure out how to afford the gold the gold stuff because um, yeah. But that is something we should probably invest in. Um, or, or even just like a, I remember you guys referring to like, should we have a you know a, a Waffle Iron Studios internal Discord? Like, absolutely, you should, and yeah. just have a channel in there that's just like tasks. Yeah, you know, and just like th- these need to be taken care of, and then like like literally delete the message whenever it's done, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be a problem. We kind of had but, something like that with Scootard DX yeah. actually, where we had like a Google Doc, and we basically just kept like a list of tasks uh, on like a timeline of sorts, and we would yeah. just like exit out whenever we finished it. Of course, yeah, yeah, and that actually helped. We need to do that for absent. Yeah, would absent yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably our biggest thing we need to do. At least like have it on like a okay. This is like what we're gonna do for episode one. Uh, we gotta do all these things first. If we have any, and then we'll maybe have like a specific day we could probably schedule. We're like, okay, we're gonna talk a little bit more about episode two this day, but like. Not focusing a ton on episode two. If things get fixed for episode two while we're working on episode one, so be it. That's just kind of like, you know, benefit, but it's not what we're focusing on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud of you guys, man. Like I, coming from the beginning of this, when I was just like the big, the first thing I said in this podcast was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not. That game is fucking stupid. Get out of my face (laughs) to the point where I'm, you know, here we are two, two, almost two and a half hours into an interview. I think you guys are some of the most interesting and creative and just wonderful people that I've gotten the chance to sit down and have a conversation with. Like, oh, I appreciate this is, it. Thank you. <laughs> truly, like 
This is like as we said earlier. This is going to be the weirdest episode I've ever published. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, and and people are probably going to be like, "You spent two and a half hours on the pony game," and I'm going to be like, "You know what? I spent two and a half hours on the people behind the pony game because they were worth it, <laughs> and, and you you guys are worth it." And I can't wait till the next time we all like get to sit down and talk about what you've done next. Where mm-hmm. you go from here? Yeah, because Scoot Hard DX, as cool as it is, is just the tip of the fucking iceberg of mm-hmm. what this talent pool is capable of, in my opinion. Yes, I, I completely actually agree. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think you're gonna really like some of the things we have in store for uh, Absentia or uh, for Abby. Essentially, you're gonna like a lot of things we have in store for her. Yeah. Um, and uh, not only just what we keep, but also what what we end up changing and how we end up working around certain things. Um, mm-hmm. And even like just imp- improving and polishing specific aspects of the game visually, you know, like, like even stuff like that. You're, you're going to like it. We are. Um, the one thing I will say is I'm very proud of my team for what we did with, uh, with Scooter DX. And I'm going to keep as many of them as I can for um, going forward with the commercial version. I genuinely. Sonya. I'm just impressed that you got such a fucking hot girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) She's just like sitting there like, yeah, yeah, that's me. No, Jenna is indeed hot. Forget about the fucking game. Fuck all that other shit. Sonya's girlfriend is like, you guys don't understand. I wish eventually (laughs) I'm going to transition in the keep to video and people will understand. But like, (laughs) What the fuck? <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> I love you, Jenna. <laughs> I love you too, girl. <laughs> I just, literally, like, I have to be honest. Like, you know, you're like, okay, my, my blind girlfriend's going to join us for this. And I'm thinking like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> you know. Every step of the fucking process with you is just like, okay, fuck this pony game. Oh my god! And then it's like, my blind girlfriend's gonna join us. Oh, um, and and I'm over here thinking like, oh, Sonya, this gotta be a joke, you know? Sonya, please, this has got to be a fucking joke. (laughs) And then you join with this fucking like, I'm not trying to be like gross or anything, but like genuinely, like, what the fuck? How did you accomplish this? And the only the only explanation is that she can't see you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. I'm, 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 so, I'm being a savage. No, um, you're good. <laughs> I love you all. You're all amazing. This has been a really fantastic recording. I have enjoyed myself tonight. Uh, this was fun to talk with you. It was fun to finally do this. I've been looking forward to this when you had invited us on. Um, I'm glad that Jenna could make it. Um, I was kind of worried she wouldn't because she had been feeling kind of under the weather the past couple days. Yeah. um, I'm kind of glad that she was able to join us because she's been a very important part of this. Just Not just with the voice acting, but just the moral support. I mean, metal you have too, but Jenna especially, Mm -hmm. you know. I I agree with that with Jenna. (laughs) Go ahead. Jenna has been the least outspoken of the group so far. So I actually want to close off the show with something of Jenna's. So if you could come up with some crazy thing to say right now, if you had to say anything to the whole world, what would it be? 
Oof. Um. <laughs> BK smoke weed. <laughs> All right, folks, as usual, I want to say thank you to our guests. So, Jenna, Metal Neon, and Sonia Waffles, you are all absolutely incredible. Come back anytime. I loved uh, just getting into some really wonderful and creative people's heads, as always. Uh, and I hope you did, too. Also, definitely want to say thank you to all of our supporters out there. So, Paul, Moose, Dots, Zach, Alexander, Brad, Red Eyes, Anthony, Robert, Jack. Brandy, Fred, Lord Revan, Tones, Igrax, Simon, and more for everybody over at the Flam Fam. That means you, Yanine, Jeffrey, Brom, Maria, I love you all, Mike, Zan, Bridge, Ben, Donkey, everyone at In The Keep, everybody out there listening, I salute you. If you want to be mentioned on that long list of awesome people, you can be, you know, until it gets so long that it just, like, increases the podcast by an hour or some shit like that, but, uh, all you got to do is head over to inthekeep.com forward slash support. Find all kinds of different ways to support us. You can even head up our merch store, grab yourself an In The Keep t-shirt, and all Patreon supporters get a free t-shirt, and they get episodes early. So make sure you tune in uh, next week. We got the wonderful and amazing Major Arlene. Till next time, I love you. The Drongakathala loves you. Stay in the keep. <laughs>